Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz getting ready to play the Denver Nuggets tonight. And I think we hope that game goes off. The Jazz were the last team in the NBA that hadn't had a positive test from COVID. Some teams have had games canceled. Some teams have multiple games canceled. Uh, some teams have lost players and got on. Some players have lost so many. Some teams have lost so many players that they've had to bring in basically just bring in G League guys to fill out the roster. So around the league, it's been all over the map. But the Jazz had skated. They had not had an issue until yesterday. Joe Ingles, health and safety protocols. He is out for the Denver game tonight. And on top of that, Rudy Gobert questionable left shoulder inflammation. I'm reading from the official report. Bojan Bogdanovich, questionable, left finger sprain. Royce O'Neal, right patellar tendonitis, questionable. Hassan Whiteside, concussion protocol, questionable. Donovan Mitchell, left low back strain, probable. Jordan Clarkson, low back tightness, probable. Now, a lot of these guys had not been on the injury report. Some had. Hassan Whiteside obviously has been. He's missed several games. We saw in a game him catch a hand across the bridge of the nose and leave the game immediately. We haven't seen him since. I think that's concussion protocol. But Bogey with a left finger sprain, Gobert with a left shoulder inflammation, Royce O'Neal, right patellar tendonitis. I think these are the kind of things these guys have been playing through. I'm not the only one in the media who's looked at these and thought, I wonder if they're waiting for a second test to see if COVID's being confirmed. Is what Joe got spreading throughout the team? Is this game going to be canceled? I can't give you any definitive answers to any of that. Do I wonder? Do I wait and wonder what we're going to hear later today? Absolutely. And maybe it'll come to nothing. Maybe most or all of these guys will play. Maybe the game will be off. Stay tuned to 1280 The Zone today. Whatever gets announced, we'll pass it on to you, and we will see how this plays out. We know for sure Joe is out. And Hassan Whiteside list is questionable. He's been out for a lot of games. Beyond that, I think a lot of these could go either way. And, you know, there's always a concern about false positive tests. Those are out there. They've happened. They've happened to NBA players. They've happened to the general population. Uh, So probably if you're the Jazz or any NBA team, anybody who has to go public, really, um, you probably don't want to announce anything until you're 100% sure. NBA players are tested twice a day, and they're tested with a couple of different tests. Um, so I think we'll find out later today for sure what's going to happen and see if, if this game is happening. And, you know, it's possible that, you know, who knows where Joe picked this up. I don't, I don't think contact tracing is all that great these days. He does have young kids, and, you know, they could have picked that up at a preschool, and then he could have gotten it. So maybe it won't show up on other guys for another day or two. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that could happen here. I think we'll have to sit back and wait and see, see how this plays out. Right now, the Jazz are scheduled to play the Nuggets at 8 o'clock. Tonight, if that changes, we'll let you know, and we'll see how that goes. And it's possible that the Jazz will play, and that they will play with a team that you barely recognize, and with many guys that you don't know. That is also another possibility. So we'll see how that shakes out. But Joe is out. He's in health and safety protocols. And I know many of you are saying, well, what does that mean for the radio show tomorrow? I don't know. Thursday's the off day. Thursday's when we normally hear from Joe. Joe likes to do off days. He doesn't like to talk on game days. He probably has, but not very often. So if he's going to come on this week, I think it'd be Thursday. Does he want to come on? How does he feel? I can't answer those questions right now. We'll have to see how that plays out, too. Let's let that ride. Joe's got an awesome uh, 
win percentage when it comes to showing up for radio interviews. So I think if he can, he will. But, you know, he may not feel up to it. I don't know. I don't, you know, sometimes the symptoms aren't much and sometimes they're really bad. And I, and I don't know where it sits for Joe right now. Uh, we'll find out. Uh, and it's not just the Jazz that are being impacted here. Uh, BYU is home for a couple games this week. They've got Pacific coming in uh, tomorrow night, and they got St. Mary's scheduled for Saturday night. However, we know there have been multiple teams with outbreaks in the West Coast Conference. We know the entire conference had the five-game slate wiped out last weekend, and St. Mary's is supposed to play Santa Clara tomorrow night. That game is off because of a COVID outbreak within the St. Mary's team. Will they have enough guys to play on Saturday? I'm giving you a lot of definite maybes here, aren't I? I don't, I don't know the answer to that. If you're a BYU fan and you're a little worried about that, I wouldn't be surprised. Coach Mark Pope might know a little more, might not know a lot more, might not want to share everything he knows, but he did share some things he knows about the games this week. Mark Pope, BYU basketball coach, meeting with the media. Here he is on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. You know, I talked to I talked to Randy this morning. I talked to Randy yesterday. I, we sent messages over the weekend. Uh, we've uh, talked to Pacific every single day, um, and then you always had all the background noise about like you're always trying to project what if. You know, my what I'm hoping we can avoid is I'm hoping we can avoid as many full installs where we lose a game, right? So that's why I've been driving my staff crazy about like, hey, I need hourly updates because in fact I had um, Rob Ramos reach out to the respective trainers today because I didn't want to start an install or, or yesterday I didn't want to start an install yesterday in practice uh, if if there was any news that we were going to lose a game. I just think that's emotionally draining on the guys. We went through that at least four times last year, right? Where we did a full install and then lost the game. And um, so, um, so I actually told Rob, I'm like, okay, it, we practiced it too. I need a report back from the other two trainers at one, just the best, most current recent information they have. And um, so it's, it just turns into daily conversations uh, with the guys that you're on your schedule and the guys that prospectively could jump onto the schedule. And we're looking for some clarification from the league. Uh, you know, we don't have any extra games in our pocket. I'd like to have one or two. So, um, meaning we don't have any games available to us out of conference. We've already maxed out at 15. And so hopefully they'll give us that flexibility. Um, but right now, with the games we have scheduled, we're talking every day. What's the, um, uh, you know, I've talked to, I've talked to Fuey, uh, I've talked to Todd Golden multiple times. I mean, it, that's just what's happening in the conference right now. We're just talking to everybody. What's kind of maybe the theme that's causing some of the pauses in the league that you've heard is that maybe lack of boosters? I mean, what what's kind of the consensus of what's happening in the, in the conference? Well, I think in college basketball, I think a lot of guys came back to campus and there was probably some testing protocol for when game, guys came back to campus, is my guess. Um, and so... Um, I'm hoping that it's going to just be this kind of one really heavy hit and then things will, you know, I'm hoping that all the games from here on out will go off without a hitch. So. Are you kind of keeping an eye on that, that USF Loyola game? It's a good time. It's a great game, obviously. Yeah. Also is maybe kind of a model of like, Hey, this is really cool. What, what they're doing. Yeah. Like maybe kind of see what they did here. Yeah, it's really it's really great. Obviously, you know they had San Francisco had one game left. They were one game under, right? So they had scheduled one game less, or for whatever reason, had one game left to give to fifteen. And um, you know, credit Todd and, uh, to, for getting that done because it's the game that we're all chasing, right? Those are the games that we all want. So, from your time when you're an assistant here, and now you're entering your third year, um, what differences have you seen in the league in that time? 
well, this is the best the league's ever been. It's not even close. I mean, we have four teams in the top 40 right now, give or take a spot, right? And um, I think it's probably six in the top 100. And, um, you know, that's in rarefied air. I don't think all the power fives have four in, in the top 40. Maybe it's close, right? So um, the league is really, really good. Um, uh, and, and um it's, uh, you know, the venues are getting better. And uh, you think about the upgrades that, that schools have made and and uh, the coaching is really, really good. and The talent is good. And one of the things that's doing this year is um, you have so many teams in the league that kept their super seniors. So the league is super veteran this year, right? It's, um, and so all those things have kind of combined uh, to make this league really good. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, you think about it, you know, I've said this a couple times, give or take, I mean, give or take a few spots. You know, if you just take St. Mary's and San Francisco and Gonzaga, at the end of the season, that could work out to be, of those six games, that could work out to be four or five quad one games. Quad one games at home against uh, against league opponents. And, and so just that sample size, what is that? 70, 70 or 80 or 60% quad one games out of those six games is, you know, that's never been here before. And so you think about if you're, uh, you know, if you're, if you're out of those four, that's a possibility of eight or seven or six quad one games in league. Right. Where traditionally we've been like, we've been super happy. We get three quad one games in league. And so um, it just gives you a, a, a little bit of idea. I don't, I don't know if we've ever at this point, and I, I think it's probably true that the WC has never had four teams projected to be in an SLA tournament in January, right? Um, and so that doesn't mean it's going to hold, but it just gives you a sense of how, how competitive this league is right now. It's super cool. What's changed from um, David Stoudemire to now Leonard Perry's uh, Pacific program? What's yeah, look different? I don't know if a lot's changed. I mean, they're still super physical and they play really, really hard. And I think they're shooting it better. Uh, they're shooting it better than they have in the past from beyond the three-point line, which is a, a, a big challenge. You know, the three and the four and the five, they're shooting it really, really well from beyond the three. And, um but they're still long and athletic in the middle. You know, they can put a team on the floor that's 6'3", 6'6", 6'7", 6'7", you know, 6'10". And really long and athletic. And they play hard. So uh, the DNA of the team is still there. And, um, you know, uh, coaches um, so far on film, it seems like he's been a little bit more locked into um, – you know, he's, it doesn't look like he's switching as much um, defensively right now. It looks like they're running a similar offensive options, a lot of horns, a lot of uh, some weak and, and uh, some floppy, you know, kind of thrown in the beginning end of plays. They still space the floor with their big, so there's a lot of similarities. Yeah, maybe what changes, too, from non-conference games to league where you just kind of know the personnel, the tendency, what, what maybe changes on the, on the court stylistically? Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's funny. We, uh, we've been watching our games from Pacific and St. Mary's course the last three or four days. And it just is like, as a staff, there's times we just all burst out in laughter because it just is a, it's a freaking slugfest. It's just a wrestling match. I mean, it's just, it's nasty and gross and ugly. And that's what league is, right? Um, and, and because guys do know each other and, and it's, um, and it gets so physical and it makes it fun. There's one zoom question. Fire away. Zoom question. 
I think that's me. Hey, Coach, it's Julie Jag from the Salt Lake Tribune. Julie, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? How's 2022 going for you? It's good. Thank you. Okay, good. Hey, um, so I just want to take you back to a little bit what you were asked or what you were asked at the beginning. Um, but you know, USF and um, Loyola Chicago are going to come and play at Salt Lake Community College. Kind of when do you, I mean, at what point would BYU start pursuing like a game like that, kind of a non-conference game? And and when do you start putting those machinations in place to find a place and an opponent and whatnot? Well, what we're hoping, so right now we don't have any spare games. So what that means is we're, you know, our league schedule is 16 games and we're allowed to play 31 total if you play a a full MTE. And so we played 15 non-conference. We have 16 uh, conference games. So we don't have any flexibility. What we're hoping is that the league, because there's no way we're going to be able to play a full schedule. Um, like I said, there's, there's teams that are already going to be four games behind, right? And so um, what I'm hoping is the league will give us flexibility where if you lose a game, like uh, we lost the Portland game, where they'll give us the flexibility to either try and reschedule that or, or keep that game in the hopper and maybe get something out of conference. So we'll see. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what the league decides. But that would be our only avenue towards getting creative with our with our schedule. Um I think it could be really good for our league uh, if there was some flexibility. Um, I, I think that uh, if it was something that we did where, you know, um, you know, the team that was canceled on, for example, we were canceled on. Uh, if we give those teams the flexibility, I think it could be really positive. But we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of things to consider um, as that goes forward. But until that happens, we're stuck. All right, there is Mark Pope, and we will have more in a moment. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, he was a high school football coach for Bryson Barnes, who went into the Rose Bowl, having never thrown a college pass, and drove the youth down the field and threw a touchdown pass to tie the game. His coach has some remarkable stories. A great story from elementary school. A great story from junior high school, an eighth grade story. (laughs) And he will share them next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to welcome in Thane Marshall, Milford High School football coach, Bryson Barnes High School coach. Coach, good morning. Good morning. How are you? We're doing well. We wanted to have you on because it, there were a lot of great stories of the Rose Bowl, but one of them was the walk-on coming on and throwing the game-time touchdown pass and blowing everybody's mind. I think expectations were pretty low. And I'm curious... Where were you? What were you thinking as all of this played out? Did you go to the game? You're sitting home watching on TV. Set it up for us. Well, uh, my son, who's my offensive coordinator, and I were both sitting in my living room, and uh, we were we were pretty pretty excited when he got to go in, and and you know everybody else's expectations might have been pretty low, but when he went in the first series, we're like, let him throw the ball. He can do it. He can do it. We we knew once you know once he got in there. You could see it in his face on TV that there was no pressure at all on the kid. He's he, he has worked his whole life for this. We were surprised that he went in because he was not listed as the backup and we don't get to see practice anymore. Were you surprised? No, because we stay in pretty well in, in, in contact with him and and we kind of knew that he was taking kind of the he, – he was right with Cam all the time and, and him and Cam, I guess, are pretty good buddies. And uh, Cam's tutored him pretty well, 
And I'll tell you one thing about Bryson that a lot of people doesn't don't know about the kid is I would bet my ranch that he probably put him in more uh, study than, than anybody on the team. That, that's just the way the kid is. He, he was probably more prepared than, than any, any, any player on that football team that stepped out on that, that field. So that's I was just, just the way re- he was. I was just reading a story about how expensive it is to raise an elite quarterback, and they went into all the people in Southern California who are, and there's more than a half dozen uh, the people down there who are providing tutoring, and they're all working with lots of kids. And it went into how uh, how expensive it was, how that priced a lot of people out, and and it went into families that didn't live in the area and had a problem. There was a there was a family in Vegas, and how did they how are they going to get elite coaching and all that? How does an elite quarterback grow up in a in a community that's got one A high school football, what what makes him this good? Where does he where does he get all this? He he went to a lot of the quarterback elite camps, but but my son was the quarterback at SUU and he played for Coach Aaron Roderick uh, was his coordinator, and I think it, I might I might be wrong, but I think Coach Sataki was there. They, he was there during the the Coach Gary Anderson time, and and. He, my the, my offense coordinator Wes Marshall is is also a study you know of the game a student of the game and and they worked hand in hand with each other. Uh, my son worked at the jail here in Beaver and uh, at the time he's now a school teacher in Milford. But but he he would be working the graveyard shift and him and him and Bryson would be on the phone and 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 they talked football continually and they they had watched film that that. They'd both be on their computers side by side, and you know they're not. Hardly any one A schools run the air raid system, but but we do. And Bryson stepped in uh, the second game of his freshman year, and he went forty three and five as a starter at Milford High School, and, and so I mean that's that's pretty phenomenal for the smallest school in the state of Utah that plays football. What's his story as to how he ended up at Utah? Do you know? Well, he. You know, the problem was is we couldn't get him recruited because we were 1A football. That's what everybody kept saying. So his senior year, I went out and beat up the schedule. He, he, we went out and beat Ogden. Ogden come to our place. We beat them. They were a 4A school. We're a 1A school. And uh, we beat South Summit, which was the two-time defending state champion that year. And Bryson just... Him and uh, Coach Scally, I believe, was the one that recruited him, and, and he'd go. Uh, he went on visits up there, and and uh, he really fell in love with the school, and and they they offered him a preferred walk on, and he turned down a couple of scholarships to to live out his dream to play at University of Utah. Where were the scholarship offers? Uh, SU come in late, you know, and uh, that they we we'd been toting them since because we're all alumnus of. Of SU, SUU, and and he, uh, you know, and we started toting him as an eighth grader to them, and they come in like December of after his senior year to offer him a scholarship, and we're like, you know, sorry, and and they kind of got mad that he went to university on a walk on and turned down their scholarship, but look who threw a touchdown pass in Rose Bowl. 
That'd be Bryson Barnes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the story has like become legendary. Uh, raising twelve thousand pigs. Now I'm a city guy. What does that uh-huh. mean when you're raising twelve thousand pigs? What's that about? Well, we're, we're the largest. I, I believe we're the largest hog. We got the largest hog farm. I know we do in the United States, and it might be in the world. Right here in our backyard, and that's that's actually helped my program because it's been able the the young kids have been able to stay home and, and get a job here and raise their kids so so it's actually put a few more kids in our program and uh but yeah bryson and his little brothers and they, they get up and and if they don't have school there they're at the pig barn with their mom and their dad's a railroader and he helps out at the farm but but basically it's their mom running the pig barn and, and it's a nursery so they have little baby pigs in there they get to a certain certain uh, age, and then they put them into a finisher barn. But uh, yeah, it's a great big barn, and they walk along. And I've I've never been in one myself, but but uh, it's it's pretty phenomenal of what they do, and it, they they work hard. So I was in uh, I was in 4-H in San Diego. <laughs> And uh, I don't, I don't have any experience raising pigs, uh, sheep, and a little bit with dairy cattle. But that's a long story. This has gotten so corporate. I wasn't aware that kids would be working at a pig farm because now they're massive. This isn't people with you know mm-hmm. twenty animals in their backyard anymore. Right. So, oh, yeah. so he's yeah. actually in the barn with the twelve thousand pigs grinding away. I mean, I, I can't believe they're still feeding them. You know, with buckets of feed or whatever. I no, thought all that had moved along. What what is he really doing? It's, it's all automatic. The, yeah. the, they have conveyors that go in and feed them all, and and I'm not sure on the nurseries how they they have to go in and and see if there's any sick pigs or stuff like that and vaccinate them and and things like that. They're it's they're they're like there four or five six hours a day and walking in and out, and making sure all the all the mechanical parts are working and everything like that. So it's. It's pretty amazing. How many kids do you have on your football team? We have anywhere from thirty to thirty-five every year. And that's enough. It, it's kind of yeah. We you know as long as we can have twenty-two. You know I'm I'm an old school football coach. We we scrimmage to the ground forty-five minutes at least a day. Most of the time it's an hour. I mean I don't know how you teach a high school kid how to hit if you don't hit in practice. So amen. You know, it's just the way it is. Thane Marshall joining us, Milford High School football coach. He coached Bryson Barnes in high school. And you're going to be you're going to be completely biased when I ask this question, but I still want your perspective. You obviously were rallying around him to get him into a college program, and he gets there, and he throws the Rose Bowl touchdown, which is awesome. How many kids at your school and how many kids across 1A high schools could get into a college program if people saw them and – Took, and I guess if, if college coaches had the time to see them and take them seriously and really know who they are, you know, there's 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 not a whole lot. There's not like you get up in the four A, five A, and six A classifications, and you don't have twenty. You know, you don't have eleven D one players on your team. But but every once in a while, we'll, we will get one or two that can actually go to the D one level. And we have a lot that I think that can play at the at the subdivisions, you know. But but you, you only get 
I'll be right honest with you. Bryson has, has worked harder than anybody, any player that I have ever coached in 31 years. And, and he has, has self made himself into where he's at. I mean, he, I was talking to one of his elementary teachers yesterday and, and he said when they went out to PE, the only game that, that Bryson ever lost in, in PE was the one where the teacher played quarterback and then he cheated. so and 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 he was serious and i gotta tell you a story about when bryson was eighth grade he was one of my managers on my football team and and i had an old school defensive coordinator in there and he knows football he's coached at the junior college level and 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 in southern california and stuff and he was drawing this defense up for our offense coordinator and he said what do you think about this and bryson said well if you did that i'd i'd throw the ball right here and the guy said, well, then I'd run this coverage. And Bryson said, well, then I'd throw it there. And the, the defense coordinator turned around and looked at him and he said, who the heck is this kid? And I said, well, he's all right. He's an eighth grader. He'll be our starting quarterback next year. And he said, get him out of my meeting. He actually <laughs> kicked him out of the meeting because he couldn't design a defense to stop the kid. Nice. And that's, that's an eighth grader. So obviously it's such a small town. You probably have intense relationships with a lot of the kids that you coach as you're watching that game and he throws the touchdown pass, was your reaction that of pretty much like he's your own son? Oh, yeah. You know, the sad part about it is is, is, is I'm surprised I've done this whole thing without crying because I'm still full of pride and, and the tears just every time somebody posts something, an article here or an article there, you know, my son and I reached up and we high-fived each other just like in in, in I jumped up and, and we had one of my uh, my son-in-law's friends from Germany was here and he thought we were all crazy. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> and we watched the next game and he turned to my wife and he says, "You know, this game's not near as exciting as the last game." Sure, yeah. <laughs> so we 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 raised the roof off our our house here in the, out in the country and you know I, I think the whole county of Beaver County was was the same way. I mean, he's he's a very well liked young man. I mean, he's. He's a great football player, but he's even a, a greater person off the field. You know, there have been plenty of fans wondering what could have been done differently to win the game. You know, should they have gone for two? Should Kyle have used timeouts? Should they have onsides the kick or maybe let him score to get the ball back? And there's plenty of people wondering about, well, what about the third quarter? If they'd scored there, maybe then it would have been different down the stretch. And I'm thinking that you think they probably should have just thrown the ball on second and 17 his first snap. Because he came in on second and 17, they ran it twice and punted, and it was the next drive when he really started to look good. So they should have just taken Ohio State, just shocked him by coming in and throwing on one of those first two, <laughs> first two plays. That's what you would have done? Well, who am I to, to uh, question Coach Whittingham and Coach Ludwig? But, you know, I, I would have my, – my deal either on second down or third down, I would have let the kid pull the ball and run around the end and maybe not throw it that early, but, but at least – because everybody knew that they were going to Thomas. And I would have – and the kid showed – I mean, Bryson's got great legs. He led us on a drive when he was a, a senior. We were we were down one point and, uh, against Millard in the semifinals with a minute 12 to go with no timeouts. And we had the ball on the eight-yard line, our, our own eight-yard line. We had to go 92 yards. And he did most of it on his, with his legs. And scored with nine seconds to go through the same through the same pass as he threw the other night in the Rose Bowl. Well, he did let him pull it once, and uh, and he ran for a big first down. So maybe yeah. maybe yeah. you're onto something. So you well, know that's that, 
that he he we ran the spread offense and he probably had I think he was our second leading rusher every year. So I mean he he's very capable of it. Well, thank you. Congratulations on uh, all the success down there at Milford. You've won a lot of games down there, and uh, you've had some pretty good teams, and, and now you've had a Rose Bowl moment on top of it. So congratulations, <laughs> and thanks for spending a few minutes with us. Thank you for the opportunity. It's great. You know, I, I, it's, it's always great to be able to talk about one of your favorite kids. There is Thane Marshall, Milford High School football coach, Bryson Barnes's high school coach. Ah, if only they'd run him on that down, on that possession before. If only they had... Man, you can just drive yourself nuts with that. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts every day, it'd be Christmas and New Year's. If the Utes had scored in the third quarter. Because the defense didn't play horribly in the third quarter. They got a pick, and they held Ohio State to a field goal. That was the opportunity right there to extend the lead a little bit and put Ohio State in a tough spot. And I will always believe that. The third quarter is where it got away. But interesting story with Bryson Barnes. You never know where a great athlete is going to come from. And it sounds like uh, Bryson, according to his high school coach, Thane Marshall, was a bit of a prodigy there. The elementary school teacher story about the, uh, you know, only being able to win if the teacher played and cheated. And the eighth grader arguing with the defensive coordinator who had JC experience, (laughs) get himself kicked out of the room for having too many of the right answers. And starting as a freshman in high school. That is hard to do. It's done a handful of times, but you got the juniors and seniors who've hit puberty and the high school kids. Uh, maybe they haven't, maybe they haven't. And even if they have, they haven't put on the weight yet. Even if they have some of the height, they don't usually have the weight added on. So, heck of a story from Bryson Barnes. We'll see where it goes from here. See what the Utes quarterback room looks like next year. It'll be interesting with the transfer portal, with the extra scholarships this year. Normally there's a limit of 25, but it's plus seven with the transfers. So, could be a lot of new faces. We'll just have to see how that shakes out. But thanks to Thane Marshall for coming on. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Ben Anderson. You hear Jake and Ben 10 to noon talking NBA hoops, talking Utah Jazz. Hey, the regular season wins are great, but we can already see the playoffs shaping up. And we saw the Jazz get the number one seed last year and go out in the second round. So as much as you want to get into the seeding and the matchups, Man, when you just saw what happened last year, it's hard to get fired up about that. We'll talk about Ben, talk with Ben about that and the trade deadline. Too hard, too kind of hard to get worked up about all these matchups when you don't know who's going to be on your team. Are the Jazz going to make a deal? The Suns going to make a deal? We know that the Warriors should be getting Clay Thompson back here momentarily. It reports he's going to be back Sunday. And so, what will the rotation look like and how will all the pieces fit together uh, with the Warriors? So we'll get to all that with Ben. Coming up next, stay with us. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time now to hear from Ben Anderson. You hear him talking jazz on uh, the show with right after ours. With uh, He's partnered up with Jake Scott. Now, we talked a lot of jazz with him yesterday. It was in the 9 o'clock hour. A lot of takes big picture on the playoffs, where the Warriors fit in. He and I are not on exactly the same page there. Um, but it was before the news about Joe Ingles broke. Joe is in uh, COVID protocols and is out for tonight's game with the Nuggets, assuming the game happens, which right now it's scheduled, but we know things change quickly. So we're waiting to hear what happens the rest of the day and see if there's any more information there. Nonetheless, here's Ben going big picture with PK and I on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Ben, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Clear those pipes, Ben. <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> the Jazz beat the Pelicans. 
But how much are you putting stock in this road trip, having just seen the Jazz and the Warriors looking at the standings, knowing what's coming in the playoffs, and knowing later this month the Jazz play the Warriors again, they play the Suns twice, they play the Grizzlies, they play the Nuggets twice. I know every game matters, and you got to win every game, and they won last night. And Isn't it, though, about all these big games in January? Yeah, you look at, you know, they got 45 games left after last night's victory, and 15 or 13 of those, excuse me, almost uh, – Almost 30% of these games are against teams that have top four seeds right now in the East or the West. So the Jazz can beat the Pelicans. They can beat even Denver, who's you know the fifth or the sixth seed right now because they've been so unhealthy. But it's going to really matter. I think the, the confidence is going to be built by how they perform against uh, Golden State, like you mentioned, Phoenix, like you mentioned, Brooklyn, which they'll get uh, twice still before the end of the year. And you know what? I mean, you've got the trade deadline coming up in just a couple of months. So I, I'm sure – all of those deadlines and these performances are being weighed pretty heavily right now in that front office. Yeah, that's why I think Joe is going to find a new place here before too long. I think they're going to make a move, and I think they're going to go for a defensive-minded wing. Who do you got? Uh, You know, it's going to be interesting. I almost wonder if because the the Jazz's assets, unless they're willing to move on from a Boyan Bogdanovich or a Jordan Clarkson, I think those are I just think those are such valuable assets and so important to what the Jazz are doing because their offense is still going to be their best weapon. They're good defensively. I don't know if they're truly going to be elite, elite defensively, even with one trade, the way you can watch Golden State and just see how well they move together, how truly elite they are as a defensive team. I don't think the Jazz get there with one move, so I don't think you cut off your nose to spite your face or whatever analogy you want to use. I don't think you move one of your best offensive players to get just a little bit better defensively so I do think you are probably talking more of a guy like Joe Ingles and a young player or Joe Ingles and a future draft pick. And then you almost got to hope that you get involved in a three-way trade where you kind of just make salaries work and you get the best player out of it. Now, you know, I, I don't know if that means Marcus Smart's available. I'm sure Danny Ainge knows how available Marcus Smart is and what it would take to get him. And that's probably the type of advantage who's out there. There's names like Lou Dort that have been passed around, and I'm always curious about Lou Dort. Do Jazz fans love him because – you know, when you see him play against the Jazz, he averages 20 points a game and helps lock up Donovan Mitchell. And is he just not that player against the rest of the league? Because if he played that way every night, he'd be one of the best players and no one would ever talk about him being available. So clearly there's going to be some warts there if you do trade for him. But if he's available, those are probably the types of names you're looking for. Uh, we talked about this with Joe. Joe went into it actually with a little bit of prompting, but not a lot. And wherever you get podcasts, you can go back and listen uh, to their show on uh, – I think it was December 30th is when we had him on. And, uh, and he talked about this, and he acknowledged, hey, I've got the expiring contract. Nobody else does. So for Jazz fans who are wondering, in addition to talent, just from the cap relief or a luxury tax relief angle, he's the one that really makes sense. And you could hear it in his voice. He doesn't like it, but he knows it. So people tend to make deals with people they know. So when you bring up the Celtics, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the front office that Danny Ainge is familiar with. That's the front office that, you know, he he could probably wheel and deal with. And you know what, teams even, I mean, I don't want to say they do each other favors, but certainly there's some kind of, you know, willing to work together if there's familiarity in the front office. You know, the Jazz made a couple of small, not major, but kind of little tiny draft night trades that ended up benefiting the Knicks after Walt Perrin moved there. And there's just some familiarity there. You know, there's just some guys that are there in that front office that, 
you probably know and you say, well, we want to get, you know, this second round pick and the Knicks want this pick. And, you know, you think you can probably work together and there's some goodwill. So you would hope there's still goodwill with Danny Ainge and the Celtics. It doesn't seem like any uh, bridges have been burned. And look, Danny's going to look under all the, all, all the different rugs that are out there in the NBA. He's going to find out a deal if there's one available for the Jazz. And look, you know, I mean, it sounds like teams are already going after Joe Ingles. There was that rumor that popped up last week that Quinn Snyder, you know, refuted a trade uh, to Golden State, I think it was, with Joe Ingles and, and kind of made sure it didn't get pushed through. So the, the name has been thrown out there. I'm sure there's still value for Joe Ingles around the league, maybe not as much today as there was in the offseason. But he's still a guy who I think some teams would like to get some of that expiring money. And he can still shoot. He can still play. And I think if you get him in a, a safe spot where his confidence comes back, he'll continue to play better. I think that uh, as far as January, yeah, there's big games and all. But I sort of view it as uh, what are they going to do in the postseason because it looks like they'll get either Phoenix or Golden State in the second round. And it's sort of like uh, we went through four months of college football and we got Georgia, Alabama, like no kidding. And so to me, you know, they can have these big games and this and that, but it's when we get to the second round of the playoffs, you're going to either be playing Phoenix or Golden State. And if you want to get the NBA Finals, you're going to probably have to beat Phoenix and Golden State. I don't see uh, anything but that happening. Oh, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think there's some inevitability there, which is probably a good thing. I mean, I think that probably makes it a little bit easier to decide how you want to operate before the trade deadline and what things you want to accomplish. And therefore, you don't hopefully, I think, buy into too much regular season success because I won't be surprised if the Jazz come back from this road trip with a perfect 5-0 and record. They're better than Denver. They're better than Toronto. They're better than Indiana. They're better than Detroit. So they already beat New Orleans, and they play really hard on the road when they you know, feel like they need to prepare a little bit more or they face a little extra adversity that they don't face when they're at home because the fans are at their back. They sharpen up a little bit, and just by tightening up a little bit, they're so naturally talented and have so much chemistry that they just blow past these teams, which is why I think they've won nine straight road games. But you know, you, you do need to make sure you recognize that your season's going to end with seven games or five games or you know, hopefully not four games against the, the Suns or the Warriors in the second round, and you need to make sure you're most prepared for that. And I'm sure that's not lost on this Jazz front office. So they put up a graphic during the broadcast about the Jazz, how they rank, you know, number one or two in the league in offense or defense at home or away, with the exception of defense at home, <laughs> which instead of being elite was mediocre. Do you think they just think, oh, these guys are at altitude, we got our fans, and so they bring the B minus effort defensively? Is there any other way to explain why they're seventeenth in that category when they're elite and everything else? I, I I think that's right. I mean, I, I think there is just this kind of feeling that you roll out of bed and you're so good and you're at home that things should naturally take care of themselves. And remember, I mean, they were incredibly good last year at home. They have a 22-game home winning streak. They set uh, a team record for consecutive home wins. They lost two early to, I don't know if it was the Suns and the Timberwolves, I think it was, but they lost a couple of weird games early and then just went on the streak where they were unbeatable. And it felt like, okay, you know, this is going to be the case again for this team. And it hasn't been. But look, they lost in the playoffs last year. I mean, they lost game five to the Clippers, which is the reason they got eliminated by the playoffs or by the Clippers in game six in Los Angeles. So I, I do think there needs to be some respect that, hey, you're not just going to flip a switch at any point. And it does kind of feel like they roll out of bed feeling like, hey, we're at home. We're one of the top three teams in the West, if not in the NBA. If we flip this switch, everything's going to be fine because they haven't passed that test against teams like Golden State. How do you think the small ball thing is going? It's not going super well right now because Rudy Gay is not playing very good. You know, Rudy Gay is just not 
all that engaged defensively. He's getting blown by, and I think it's still probably trying to figure out exactly what some of his role is, which is unfortunate because I actually thought he had a couple of good games where Quinn Snyder said, hey, let's stop trying to make you George Niang. Let's stop having you hang out on the three-point line. And if you want to take 18-foot post-up jump shots, and that's where you're going to get more comfortable, and that's going to get you more engaged on the defensive end, let's do that. Because you got to do something. you got to offer something. And if you're just missing threes and then not playing defense or not really helping that much on that end of the floor, that doesn't do anything for you. And then Hassan gets hurt, so he has to go and play as the backup center. And I don't think that's quite a natural fit for him the way I think you know the Jazz would like him to, and he certainly hasn't had as many reps in his career playing backup center. So where he can be a big power forward and shoot over guys and feel comfortable, he loses a little bit of that when he has to go out and guard Jackson Hayes or Jonas Valanciunas or whoever he had to D up last night. I think that ends up being difficult. So it's a work in progress. I wouldn't say it's something you want to abandon totally because it's probably something you want to be able to go to a little bit more often. But look, one of the reasons the Jazz second unit last year wasn't very good was because Derek Favors wasn't very good last year. I mean, he just was not as good as Hassan Whiteside is right now. So if Hassan's going to be better than Favors, I don't know if you necessarily feel like you have to rely on small ball. And one of the things I've really liked that the Jazz has done is they're giving Rudy Gobert the ball in the post. And, and Quinn Snyder talked about it last week. He said it's fighting for the rim. It, it, it has equal parts to do with the Jazz' willingness to pass in the ball, but also Rudy Gobert's willingness to get to within one or two feet and not stop at five or six feet, because he can't do anything at five or six feet. He's too close to other defenders. He's not all that good turning around and shooting the ball. He doesn't have great touch. But it is, you know, a foot out from the rim, two feet out from the rim, he's so long, he can dunk it or he can get fouled, and that's certainly more valuable uh, than just you know throwing the ball down to him at six feet and having it result in a turnover. I feel like the small ball discussion has gotten off a point here. It's not that the problem with, with Rudy is that he can't be everywhere at once. The problem with the Jazz defensively is it's too easy to get past guys and break the paint, as they like to say. It's just too easy to get in to get around guys and get into the lane. And I thought the most interesting part of the post game after the Pelicans game was the discussion about well, why are guys better or why aren't they better when... Well, Rudy clearly intimidates people. And guys look like better defenders when Rudy's standing behind him, whether a guy goes around him or not. And if Rudy's dragged out to the corner by a, a, a guy who can shoot, or if he's subbed out, or if he's in foul trouble and he's out because of that, well, now guys aren't intimidated. And your perimeter defense doesn't look as good. And I don't think putting Rudy Gay in there is going to make the perimeter defense a lot of, a lot better. Some guys are still going to get beat. So when you put Rudy Gay in there, what you need is an offense that scores at a really high rate so you're not giving up ground because you're probably giving up more points. I don't think they can yeah. change that. I, I almost actually wonder, we saw it a little bit against the Mavericks on Christmas night, is maybe you just make Rudy your primary defensive player. Rudy Gobert, that is. I mean, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe if they want to switch or if they're going to bring the ball up the floor, if it's Reggie Jackson this year like it was with the Clippers, just put Rudy on him. Fine. If you could beat Rudy Gobert off the dribble and then beat him to the rim where he's recovered and had those you know game-winning block shots against Dame or DeLon Wright, we remember against the Mavericks a couple of years ago, if you think you can score on him one-on-one, fine. And then you got to trust your other Jazz defenders to stay in front of their guy, but if your best player is going to have the ball in his hands, why not just put your best defender on him? And, and I don't think it's even close. The Rudy Gobert is not just the Jazz's best rim protector. He's their best perimeter defender. He's longer than anyone. He moves his feet better. He doesn't fall for pump fakes. He doesn't foul you on the three-point line. Like He does everything so well on the defensive end. Maybe he is your Ben Simmons. Maybe he is your Draymond Green who can D up the best guy late in the game and, and fluster him into taking a bad shot or throwing the ball away. And Quinn, I think, has even toyed with that idea a little bit. So if you want to play small ball, 
you don't actually have to be small. You just have to be willing to pull your big guy out. And if they're willing to pull their big guy out and especially put him on the ball, yeah, it puts the onus on the Jazz other players to, to do well, but at least you're not asking Rudy Gobert to defend the paint and defend the ball. I want you to guarantee me that Mike Conley will be healthy for the playoffs. <laughs> I think Quinn Snyder's doing his best, and I think it's frustrating Mike Conley. I mean, I think there are a lot of games, especially back-to-backs, where Mike wishes he was playing and then finds himself a little bit out of a rhythm. He's bad the last three games until last night. He was shooting you know, 34% from the floor and 22% from the three-point line and you know, like 4 of 13, 4 of 15 every night, so he wasn't playing very well. Uh, but when he's on, he's incredible. He's really one of the probably 25 best players in the NBA, and you saw that again last night. So Quinn Snyder's trying his hardest to keep this, this, this team as healthy as possible, and specifically Mike Conley as healthy as possible, because knock on wood, Rudy and Donovan seem pretty durable. Uh, so if you can keep Mike Conley healthy, when you get to the playoffs, that's going to help a ton, especially if you can find you know, one more little piece to, to kind of complement the defense. Warriors are 3-1 and one against the Suns and Jazz combined, and I thought they really passed the eye test, and obviously they didn't have Draymond, and they're about to get Clay back. Uh, should we be penciling them in as heavy favorites? People talk about the NBA being wide open. Is it wide open in your mind, or are the Warriors the team to beat? I actually still think the Suns are probably the team to beat in the West, more so than the Warriors. And I, I like the Warriors. I, I'm still a little bit curious if I'm buying into – Jordan Poole and Gary Payton, the second being able to go out and win you games in the playoffs. And look, when they once they start doing it, they do it. You know, I didn't believe in the Suns last year either, and they made the finals. And you know, we're up whatever it was four game or three games to one or three games to two, and ended up blowing that lead. So it's not like it's impossible for them to get there. I'm still a little curious if when push comes to shove, and yes, I lost. I watched them lose to the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in tournament last year to not make the playoffs. And obviously they're not going to find themselves in that situation this year, but I'm still a little bit curious if all those pieces are going to fit that well and perform that well when it gets into the playoffs versus that whirlwind of playing against a team like that. That's pretty unique because they are so small because they don't have a real big guy that plays because they switch everything defensively. You run into those teams in the regular season and it's hard to prepare for them with one shoot around or a practice. And then once you get to see them four times, five times, six times, you start to pick apart some of their weaknesses or find ways to trap them in different ways. So Jordan Poole can't go off and you let Steph beat you or Steph can't go off and you try and make Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins beat you. And they've got to prove that they can do it. And maybe they can. Uh, but, but I wouldn't at this point, from my perspective, pencil them in as some overwhelming favorite to make it, you know, even past the second round of the playoffs. They, they can get there. But I, I think if you're trying to drop the conference finals now, you might just be picking names out of a hat between the Jazz, the Warriors, and the Suns. Where does Jay Scott rank on your list of favorite co-hosts that you've worked with? Okay, I mean, most of the shows I've done, like PK, you and I have done one show together. DJ, actually, I don't think you and I have ever done a show together. We've hung out during Jazz games. I'm doing an hour with Scotty today. I did Hands last week. Obviously, Kyle Gunther for a long time. I did it with Tony Jones for a Saturday show for a while. <laughs> well, like he's top seven. Top seven? Okay. <laughs> nice. Conservatively, he's okay. top seven. Okay. Well, they can get top but, four. He can get into the college football playoffs. So he really doesn't need to improve that much. Well, look, and if we expand, he'll be in regardless. So Good point. He's, he's in good standing. He's doing fine. Okay. He'll be really happy to hear that. Just work with him some more. You can get there. Yeah, right, right. It's it's a work in progress, and that's fine. I don't. He'll get there. I have faith. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I can bring him along. All right, Ben. Good warm up uh, segment. You should be ready to go at ten o'clock today. 
Yeah, I get her, better get dressed. See you guys. There is Ben Anderson. He'll be back today, 10 to noon, with Jake. Jacob Ben from 10 to noon here on The Zone. What is trending is next. One more college bowl game. And, of course, the Jazz getting ready to play tonight. We'll get you all up to speed. Everything that's trending next. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Honestly, just do what we can to stay safe. Got my mask right here. Like, you know, just as much as we can, use our masks, stay safe, stay healthy, you know, and honestly, just pray it doesn't, you know, spread throughout the team. You know, I think we're, a lot of us, we're all doing the right things, you know, trying to do everything we can, but it's wild what's happening. It's unprecedented, but at the end of the day, control what we can control. And just like I said, keep wearing your mask and stay healthy. That's Donovan Mitchell back on December 23rd, talking about what the team is doing to, uh, prevent COVID from spreading throughout the team and postponing games. Relevant now because the Jazz are in Denver to play the Nuggets tonight at 8 o'clock. Joe Ingles out for the game. He's the first player from the team to enter the NBA's health and safety protocols due to COVID-19. There are a lot of other guys on the injury report listed as questionable. Some we knew about. Hassan Whiteside, concussion protocols. He's missed some games, so there isn't a surprise there. We saw him get hit in the face. But also, Rudy Gobert left shoulder inflammation. Bojan Bogdanovic sprained left finger, listed as questionable. Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson, listed as probable. Yeah? We'll see if anybody else tests positive today, tomorrow. Do we know that Joe tests positive? Health and safety protocols, it doesn't have to be a positive. He's could, entered the protocols. That's all I've said. It yeah. could be that he was exposed to somebody. And they're waiting to see. So. He could feel 100% fine. The Jazz freed up a roster spot and lessened their luxury tax bill in a trade with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Sends Mie Oni to OKC in exchange for a 2028 second-round draft pick and cash considerations. PK, that could be a deal that lessens the luxury tax bill, but that could be a trade that sets up a two-for-one trade down the line, too. Yeah, but I think it's also to reduce it. It's now down to $30 million. I mean, they bombed on all second-round picks in that draft. Three uh, tries. Guess, uh, Hughes is still on the tries. team. But, yeah. Uh, oh, was that was Hughes that draft? Hughes wasn't that draft, no. He was not that draft. No. And not that I expect them bombed to hit home two, runs yeah. on Horn second rounds. But, but it I mean, looks like an 0 for 3. Yeah, I mean, Dort is out there, and he's one of the players that they're talking about possibly acquiring, and he was a free agent. But... You know, you need to have more hits than misses. And it's like Ainge is living off that Celtic trade. No matter what happened. Wow, I've got Greg, uh, Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett. So, I mean, and Dennis Lindsay, hey, you got Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, brother. <laughs> so, Play the hits. Yeah, and those were smashes beyond belief, really. So, but uh, yeah, Meone wasn't an NBA player. Yeah, I did. I mean, only for three it was like just see him back in the on cr- D. You see him in the corner and see yeah. that ball b- bouncing high off the rim. Yeah. So, but they, they have some flexibility if they need it. But do they do they want to bring back two players and add even more luxury tax? Well, you don't know. Well, they might add luxury more, but they might add less. It depends on what the players are making. There have been plenty of deals where you trade somebody and you get back the guy you want, but you got to take back a bad contract at the same time. What all those numbers add up remain to be seen. I suppose you can't rule out a three for two also, but it seems less likely. Well, I don't think they're going to make a roster move to uh, 
add somebody unless it's really, really important. Because they're going to have to give up somebody who's really, really important. important. Donovan Mitchell, NBA Western Conference Player of the Month for oh. December. Averaged 30 points per game. Shot 50%. Had the five assists, three boards, and a steal per game as well. And I was listening to Fox Sports on the satellite driving in. Outrage! There's a guy in the conference who averaged 30.7 points. That's more by five-tenths of a point. Averaged 9.3 boards. That's six more. Averaged 6.5 assists. That's double. Shot 55% from the field. Better than Donovan. Shot 40% from three. Better than Donovan's 37%. This is a travesty. Yep, there it is. LeBron James did not get it. Well, that hurts. It d- I'm sure it shatters his career. Well, but that's not the point. He's got better numbers across the board. How was the team winning percentage? Six and eight yeah. to twelve and two. Dominant for the Jazz. Their only two losses at home. Go figure. Washington and San Antonio. Washington one game above five hundred. The Spurs suckerino so much that Becky said, "Forget this. I don't want this crap. I'm going to Vegas." Not exactly <laughs> what she said, but sure. <laughs> That would that'd be an awesome farewell speech in the locker room. Hey, I've had it with you clowns. Well, this team sucks. Why would she want that? You get that, you're just doomed to fire. Be fired. So, should have LeBron won his 41st NBA oh, really? Player of the Month. His 41st? Yes. See how much attention I pay to that stuff. The second it's highest like- total is Kobe with 17. He's dominated. That's an underdeveloped story right there. This guy owns Player of the Month. There's only been two times in his career that he hadn't gotten it. There was rookie, uh, maybe it was rookie year. I'm not sure. But that was the one year a couple years back when he first got the Lakers, he was injured most of the time. So those are only two years that he didn't pick it up for they at least two, one They said two. I don't remember the, the first one. The second one was here uh, when he was, you know, he missed a ton of games. He had a hamstring or something, was it? His first year with the Lakers, right? They obviously didn't make the playoffs. Should they give it to the individual? Has clearly dominant stats. That's better stats, but it doesn't even win percentage. Okay, but is it a team award or an individual award? No idea. Well, I'm asking you a question, brother. <laughs> You're going to have to give an opinion. I'll You're on the clock now. You may offend. Oh, okay. <laughs> then give it to LeBron. I just don't care. <laughs> player of the week, player of the month. Great. Then why have it if you don't care? Because some fan bases, but yet get you into get the it. city thing, and Channel Two runs it on your website like it's a big deal, and you care deeply about that, and you don't care about this. What a hypocrite! Deeply, yes, Channel Two, you guys, they put it, they post it out there, they act like it's a big, big deal. Yes, obviously, deeply with a capital D. <laughs> that would be bad grammar. You can't capitalize the D. Stop. <laughs> Want to know who put it in Alice? That's there what you it did. Is. That's, That's you, school. not me, man. That's old school. <laughs> All right, let's get to more of LeBron's greatness, shall we? Hashtag NBA. 
Try to get it to Garland. Morant gets the steal. Morant downhill at Garland. Lays it up left hand and in. Four-point lead. Oh, John Morant read it beautifully. Gets the steal in the bucket. And the Grizzlies lead by four. Van Vliet to Pascal. Puts it on the floor. Kicks out to Trent. Up top to Freddie. Open look at a triple. Busted. North side three. Raptors by 13. Great extra pass. We've seen it by Barnes tonight. That time it was Gary Trent Jr. They inbound the basketball. They go to Booker over on the far side. Booker in that far corner. Hart there defensively. Out to Biambo. Back to Booker. Three-pointer. Shazam! Line of the Lakers. Looking to take the lead. Got it! Yes, sir! Highlights from around the association. The Lakers beat the Sacramento Kings 122-114. LeBron taking over in winning time. Last five minutes, he had a couple of big three-pointers. A couple of strong drives to the hoop to build the Lakers' lead up to six. Russell Westbrook hit some free throws. He did not have a single turnover. After having nine turnovers in a game, that turned into quite the story. LeBron finished with 31 points, 10 of them in the last five minutes to make sure the Lakers got a win. They are now a game over 500. Yeah, they showed him, man, against I the know. Mighty Kings. I know, right? <laughs> Did you see him just pumping his chest, yeah. staring people down? I watched most of the game, yeah. That was on NBA TV last they night. They were all fired up. And this oh, is yeah. what we do. We don't have any turnovers. It was the fewest turnovers the franchise has had since, like, 2014. And there is some level of importance in that. Obviously, they took, like, 97, 98 field goal attempts to 83 by the... Uh, Kings, because if you don't turn the ball over, obviously you're going to, unless you have a bunch of 24-second violations, you're going to have more shots than you normally would. Each time you have a turnover... You're going to average zero points per possession when you have a turnover, if you want the analytics, right? Yeah. But the thing to do is to break down not just the turnovers, but how many of them live ball leading to fast breaks the other way, double the trouble. Those are worse, sure. Although, but that doesn't necessarily mean the other team's going to score. And there are no fast breaks anymore. You need to stop saying that. Run out to the three-point line before the other guy gets set. So get get out on the break. That's, on a two-on-one, if a, you don't have the ball, go to three-point That's line. a dino, dinosaur term. And that's Al McCoy. Now that we're in 2022, he started with the Suns in 1972. 60 freaking years. 50 years. 50 years. That's just amazing. 50, yeah. Yeah, 50. Uh, it's just amazing, man. He doesn't do away games, but uh, still going strong. Born in 1933. And he called a win. Were the Suns at home? Or was that the road game? They beat the Pelicans well, he 120. road games, so he can't. Yeah, 123 110. <laughs> I already said I think, that. That was a road game? No! Who no, does home games? <laughs> Are you was that him on the call? I don't remember. Yeah, that was him. Okay. Why the hell would I bring it up? Uh, because you <laughs> obsess about Phoenix. I'm not oh, sure I what's going I on anymore. I said, that was Al McCoy. Uh, okay. Pay attention. Don't listen. Boy, when is the ballots due for the next City Award? <laughs> Devin Booker, 33 points to lead the Suns as they handle the Pelicans. So, did Phoenix play? Yes. Okay. Memphis Grizzlies, John Morant, 26 Devontae point Booker had a good game, you say? Grizzlies over the Cavaliers, <laughs> 110 to 106. <laughs> and the Spurs that you were just talking about, sucking, got blown out by the Raptors, 129 to 104. Fred Van Vliet, 33 to lead Toronto. Jazz scheduled to be at Toronto Friday. That's coming up. And the Knicks handle the Pacers. Julius Randle, 30 points, 16 rebounds in the win. DJ and PK. 
Hashtag NFL. You know, I don't think uh, I said this. I, I would never want a farewell to her. I just think that, uh, you know, that's that has worked for some guys. and been great and, and cool, and I respect that. But um, that's not something that, that, I, that I want. Aaron Rodgers doesn't want a farewell to her, so hold on to your rocking chairs. Don't buy him gifts. Can you really do it in football? You're only playing eight or nine road games a year. When I think farewell to her, I think a baseball player, a basketball player going to every park or every arena for the last time. I mean, you can do it. Sure, you can do it. And I agree with him. I wouldn't want that either. You just want to ride off, see you, goodbye, nothing, hate goodbyes. I wouldn't want that. Just slip out the door. Yeah. yeah. Titans expected to designate star running back Derrick Henry to return from injured reserve today. They want him clear to return to the active roster ahead of the playoffs. Will he be back? Will he be 100%? Will he be rampaging through defenses? Because if he is, Titans Super Bowl odds go way up. Washington football team will announce its new name ahead of the Super Bowl. 19 months after dropping its old one, February 2nd. The final eight nicknames, Armada, Presidents, Brigade, Red Hogs, Commanders, Red Wolves, Defenders, and Football Team. What's their motto, you say? You said Armada? Armada. What's their motto? The motto of the Armada. Pigskins, they missed the boat on that one. Team President Jason Wright says the name would not be Wolves or Red Wolves, both of which have been early fan favorites. How about Green Wolves? I think you ought to stick with Red, given the old burgundy and gold there. Wouldn't that be burgundy real Wolves then? Doesn't roll off the tongue. Hmm. Take a little poetic license right there. Uh, the maybe has turned into a definite Baker Mayfield's having surgery, so we won't play the last week. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Florida's second leading tackler this season, Mohamed Deabate. How'd I do on that, Yak? Borderline. He's transferring to the University of Utah. 6'3, 227. He had 89 tackles for the Gators. Started in games each of his three seasons at Florida, including 16 starts over the last two years. And ironically, the Utes' first game next year is in the swamp against the Gators. Hmm. Nah, it looks like a player on paper. We'll see. I mean, they got all excited of that uh, Penn State kid, and he never made one tackle. He quit. And so you never really know. But it looks like it's a good addition. It's the second recruiting cycle, the playoff portal. Who do you get? Who do you lose? They lost uh, the Juan Diego kid, uh, Carlton. He put his name in the, in the portal up front. Is it Xavier Carlton? A yep. DN there. Leaders of the college football playoff expected to meet in person on Saturday to discuss potential expansion. They're apparently not fretting over the semifinals that were so lopsided. Broader participation is the goal. Everybody gets a shot. The dream lives on. Although ultimately you may get smoked in a semifinal. Because that seems to be what happens every year. What do you got, Yak? You got some breaking news over there? Uh, I guess it's minor breaking news. Pete Thamel saying that USC is going to hire Michigan's Sean Nua as their new defensive line coach. Of course, the former Cougar. He coached both Aiden Hutchinson and uh, Ojabo, the two-star defensive ends for Michigan. He's moving to SC. So we got one former Cougar leaves as a D-line coach, and another is hired. Vic Soto replaced by Sean Nua. And Soto went to Colorado. Colorado. Good for him. 
What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Time now to welcome Andrew back to the show. Andrew, good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing today? We are doing well. It's a little warmer. It's raining. But that beats colder and snowy, so we'll take it. That's true, yes. It's a a win. And you're back to talk to guys about uh, struggling with their ED. It's time to stop worrying about uh, the embarrassment or whatever and uh, come on in and, and talk to the folks at the Wasatch Medical Clinic. That's right. If you're out there uh, listening, frustrated in the bedroom, it could be that you have erectile dysfunction or that just the frequency isn't what it used to be. We help a lot of guys just like you uh, with acoustic wave therapy. It's important to know that Wasatch Medical has two forms of this technology, the only one backed by 50 clinical studies. Basically, you come in for about 10 minutes. Gentle pressure waves go through the skin into the blood vessels. It opens them up, regrows them, that's according to the studies, and improves blood flow enough we can get rid of the erectile dysfunction by improving circulation. And I think the best part is guys are getting off of the pill. So you've been doing this for a while. You've had a lot of patients finish these treatments. Uh, What are they telling you? Well, they tell us how the ED goes away. That's the first thing. And then the end result here is the relationship improves. You draw closer to your significant other. My opinion and kind of what they mention is this has a ripple effect on life. When things go well in the bedroom, they tend to go well outside of the bedroom as well. And you got a special offer if people call right now. Yes. If you're ready to put a stop to your ED, guys, uh, we really believe in delivering value. And today is no different. Uh, The exam assessment and blood flow ultrasound with our doctor, it's free. It could be just a chance for you to ask questions, by the way. There's zero obligation. You get a gift that produces immediate results to intimacy. I think you'll love that. And this is pretty cool. Blood work and testosterone. I know guys spending thousands on that. It's totally free today as well. You can call right now, 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic, 801-901-8000. Call Andrew right now. Take advantage of that special offer. Wasatch Medical Clinic, 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. This is Unripe. Guys are doing a hell of a job. Here's what is great about what George Klebkoff said. I love the brutal honesty. I mean, if you can't look at a situation and assess it and and call it what it is and say what it is, you're never going to improve. If you're constantly putting a Band-Aid on it and say, no, we're, we're in a good spot. We're just, you know, just give us another year. Just give us, you know, it's a building year, you know, but, but man, next year things are going to be good. Next year never comes around. And when you can come out and make a very clear, very bold, very accurate and very honest statement, that's really kind of the first step to like making change. Unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Zero Res. Zero Res is the only carpet cleaner for a smarter, lasting clean. Zero Res's patented process uses only water to clean, meaning no crunchy carpets and a spot-free carpet that's safe for the whole family. Schedule your carpet cleaning today by calling 801-288-9376. 801-2880 or booking online at zeroresaltlake.com. If you're up north, it's zeroresdavisweber.com.
Question of the morning. Are you cool with trading Joe Ingles in an attempt to improve defensively? No! <laughs> you speak for all radio hosts. <laughs> no. Cool with it? No, I'm not cool with it. Do I recognize it has to be done if it improves the team? Yes. I'm cool with it. Cool with it? I'm totally cool with it. That's too much. No. The, the whole goal here is to win a championship, and that's all that matters. Scott, on our Facebook page, I love Joe, dot, 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 but yes. Yeah, that's why I'm cool with it. Dana, I would be sad, dot, dot, but doesn't say not to do it. He didn't say he wouldn't come on if he was with another team. True story. That's your big worry. I mean, you're the only reason why you're not cool with it is selfish reasons. That's true story. You're not a fan. Bringing See, my you, bias you, into You it. act like you're a man of the people and you're a fan and you want them side by side. We're in this together. Come join us. We're doing a great job. We have a fun time in the morning and then on the weekends I give you everything you want to know. But really all you're in it for yourself. Guilty. Yeah. You're, you have been exposed. Yep, You're there it is. Everybody's buddy that you pretend. Good grief when you quote Charlie Brown. Oh. Well, I can't say bleep on the radio. i got to come up with something else. Well, you could have a little harder edge to you, buddy. i got bad news for you. Mike says absolutely no. <laughs> Teresa says no way. And Jeff says no. And Jeremy says no. That won't help. You can't start two six-foot guards and be a good defensive team. Why not? Joe may be slow, but he is big. He isn't the reason for our struggles defensively. He's not? Yeah, but see if you can find someone that, you know, yeah. like a Brian Russell, who was able, I mean, not that he could slow Jordan down, but he had the size at least to, you know, make where he has to push off in order to score. Let's leave it at that. So you'll have to look at the whole package. If they, if they can make the team better, they've got to do it. And they will. Isn't that the, the charge of the management, is to make the team better? The problem that I have is that you, you certainly have no guarantee. Will it be back to where, uh, remember it was uh, four or five years ago, where they didn't have the money or the ability to go get a bunch of great offensive players, so they made a really good defensive team, but that was a team that went out in the first or second round. And then they added really good offensive players, but there's still a team that goes out in the first or second round. Yeah, that's all they've been. So you could make the deal and just go sideways and still be a team that goes out in the first or second round. Yeah, in the short term. But it could be something like, you know, Hornacek by himself wasn't going to get you anywhere. But when you added him to the piece of the puzzle, he was a big-time addition. And really helped them take it to another step, obviously. Conference finals, NBA finals. They only went to one conference final before him, and suddenly they went to four with him. Yeah. And won a couple of those. And I mean, the team sucked when he was their best player in Philly, but he comes here. He doesn't have to be. He has to be what he can be, and he certainly was. And then some, obviously. He was a great, great addition. It was a phenomenal pickup. One of the better pickups, if not the best pickup they've had in terms of in-season acquisitions, that type of thing. And so if there's somebody out there, they have to do it because, you know, it'd be sad. I get it because Joe has made himself and just a it's it's like a it's a Hollywood movie type of thing in ways that he's connected with the community just beyond really anything that I've ever seen 
to this level that had a bench guy, basically, he's bounced back and forth, a role player, put it that way, uh, to make that type of connection with a community. There's been no role player who's made that kind of connection. You're going to go to Antoine Carr, but he wasn't here eight years. Nope. Uh, wasn't in, in, didn't do all the things that he's done. And then you factor in a foreign guy, no less. Now, he just speak the language, so that's a little bit mitigated there. Uh, coming in, speaking English, and being able to connect immediately in that way. Uh, and so then his wife coming over and doing what she does, and we've like we've celebrated the birth of his children. Like, geez. You know, he talks about him every week, or I and the kids, and we joke about it. There's been nobody who's made that connection. So the short term certainly would be sad, but if they're sitting here in June having a parade, it's going to be like, uh, sorry, Joe, thanks. Well, what if it's like a Hornacek deal, too? It's not the it's not what makes it work this year, but that doesn't mean it doesn't work down the line. Yeah, there's... But if you Lots got to the options. conference final, that would work yeah. more. Yep. Hornacek, they immediately got there, right? I, I think you're right, yes. But yeah. I have to go back and look. Uh, so that, that's, that improved the team. Ainge's charge is to improve the team. That's isn't that it? Is there any other stuff that he's supposed to do? Improve the team, possibly lessen the luxury tax, but improve the team. Well, I don't know if he's had that mandate. Yeah, I don't either. And if he has, who am I to complain? It's not my money, and so me expecting somebody to write a thirty million dollar check. <laughs> Why don't you write that check? Yeah. I don't have to write it. If uh, he, well, I bring it up because of the Miami trade. Well, if he's told to do yeah, that, but that's a no-brainer. That kid yeah. wasn't going to help he's you. He's not go going anywhere, anywhere right? Somebody so, wants him, and you get a second-round draft pick down the line. I don't somewhere. think anybody wants him. I think he's going to be released. But uh, they just going to—it's a cheap. It's a seventeen-thousand-dollar acquisition. I read it for Oklahoma City to get a second-round pick, and it's way cheaper. They don't know if they'll hit on it, but they don't have to necessarily hit on it. They can use it for a trade bait down the road themselves. Uh, so that was what that was. He's not an NBA quality player. I didn't even realize he was still on a team, really, or where, what his status was. So that was that was a no-brainer because they had to be guaranteed his salary here by Friday or something, whatever the rules are. Uh, so we might see some more of that around the league. So we we understand if you can reduce it painlessly, of course we're going to reduce do it. it. Uh, and that's what they just did. But if Ryan Smith says we need to get below this figure here, I'm not going to criticize him. You have to be financially responsible, and it's a, it's a business. So it's about making money, uh, for sure, at least maintaining or not losing $30 million. Wow, that's shocking. That's life-changing money beyond belief. For At least for me it would be, and for most of us I think it would be too. But for now, Angel's charge, and along with Jay-Z, is to make the team better and make the team as as uh, good as it can be. And I think they're going to do it. I've, no one has told me that. I don't have any personal information. I'm not reporting that. But I believe they're going to they're gonna do something. And he is most likely. There's a big story on the ringer that highlighted the Jazz's defensive uh, deficiencies out on the perimeter. We've talked about it at length. But they, and now with these stories, you know, everything's online, obviously. You can insert videos so they could literally show you how it all went wrong. Yeah. Instead of us telling you and you have yeah. to imagine or recall the moment in the game. Yeah. And you can see guys, particularly in the Golden State game, guys just blown by people left and right and getting to the basket. And so if you can get one more d- good defender, 
you talk of the Brian Russell role, to go with Royce O'Neal, does that get you closer? Okay, there's two guys that we can do a much better job of staying in front of. Because obviously they can sacrifice offense for defense on the perimeter. Their offense is great. And Joe is probably the least important offensive player when the team is there together. Now he takes on a much more important role when, when somebody, somebody goes misses, out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that that could be a blow because who's to say that that couldn't blow up on you and all of a sudden you got two, one or two guys injured again and you really need Joe and what he can provide. If Conley has a hamstring issue in a big playoff game and Joe isn't there to step into the starting lineup, it could sting. Yeah, it's a easy lot. to see. So that's why it's a gamble. If it wasn't a gamble, well, then you would do it, of course. <laughs> and then it'd be a no-brainer. Yeah. You know, but that's not the way these things work out. That, that's, what, that's what makes it fun. That's why, in a large degree, sports radio exists. I'm not paid to first guess. I'm just paid to second guess. Ah, the first guessing can be fun, though, too. Sure. But, That's what we're doing right now. But we're just evaluating. But we don't know who's coming And back. everybody has right. an opinion. Should you do this? Should you do that? And, and uh, the great Larry Miller understood that completely as he got older. He talked about that. You know, criticism, as long as it's fair and it's not cheap shots and whatnot personally, that that just means people are into your program and your, to your team, and that's what you want. And that's the fun part. I mean, nothing about this is personal. I mean, these are fine people. I don't you know, don't know them really that well as far as that goes. Talked to Ainge a million times over the years when his kid was playing in Provo. So uh, by all accounts, they seem to be great people. Uh, but that's the fun part. And I, I think they get they get Justin Zanuck and Danny Ainge. These guys have been around a long, long time. They understand. I mean, Kevin O'Connor used to be bugged when I'd say, freaking O'Kerr, couldn't, you need a shot blocker. He told me. But, I mean, he understood. It's just my opinion, and it's just talk, and, and those guys. And, and they certainly get enough praise for the great things that they do, and they're in those positions because they've done enough great things. That's why they've got these positions to begin with. So they've established themselves as being highly qualified to do the jobs that they're doing. But that's the fun fun part of it when you speculate on all these trades. And, and, and it's great that if Joe were to be traded, it would be a significant blow to the community. Because that means there has to be an intense relationship there in the first place. Cameron posts two weeks ago, I would have scoffed at this. The past few weeks have been rough to watch. He just seems extra slow on D and his shot is non-existent, it feels like. I love him. I have his jersey. But as a Jazz fan, whatever gets is a championship. I can't believe I just said yes. That goes to your point right there. There's a fan who loves him, who's bonded with him, trying to wrap his mind around it. Yeah, I could see myself buying a Joe, Joe Engels jersey. Honestly, in, in all sincerity. Uh, there's, just, there's been two players in the history of this franchise that I've connected with. One, Joe and Jeff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not surprising because those would be the two easiest guys to connect with. Yeah, they allowed you to be connected to them. And I loved Letter Carrier. I loved what, what's it, what moves he going to be in today. And <laughs> it was fun. Absolutely fun. The guy was one of a kind. And he was a great, great ball player. I saw a stat the other day. Most uh, points over 30 at age 36 or older. And Malone was right there. I can't remember the number. But obviously he had a phenomenal run. And, and, and you know, he was born to be 6'9", obviously. Uh, but other than that, I mean, he was self-made. He got to where he got through work. Yeah. 
It's like I appreciate Paul Millsap when he was here too. I loved his style, and he got to where he got through work. And, and that that and both of them ironically went to the same college, uh, so I appreciate that. Uh, and then I found out later in life that John Crotty and I were born in the same hospital in Jersey, so that that's, <laughs> that's a personal connection. Your list of connections is growing. <laughs> yeah, but those guys didn't love me back the way the other two have. So that's just my own. That's like my fan one-way connection. You know, none of the Crotty, uh, Millsap, or Malone wouldn't have any clue who I am. Although when they did that Sports Century thing, for some reason they asked me to go down and talk about Malone, and it was down by Old Mill Golf Course, which is close to my home. So I figured, what the heck? Sure, I'll do it. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why in the world they asked me to do it. I have no idea. You were a Tribune writer in that era. You were around the team. Yeah, but I was not the beat guy by any stretch. I mean, is he, yeah, okay, to a degree I was. But if you're going to have the least likely dude to be in those, then that, uh, and what, you know, they do a first class deal. I know you were in it, and but you're everybody's friend, so that was no big surprise. I think but, they interviewed a lot of media people because when you're doing those things, you get it. And if somebody says great, something great, you use it. And if it turns out you don't have anything to add, mm, so what? Cutting room floor never sees the light of day. Right. No risk. But why me? Because you might add something. If you don't, cutting room floor. I, I know, but where did I even get my name in the first place? I shouldn't have even have been on the list. I'm sure when Malone and, and what was his wife's name? When, uh, Kay. Kay, yeah. When she watched it, who's this guy? <laughs> <laughs> and then when I went, to, I went in there, uh, it said that was at that little business uh, center area. Oh, there's a Market Street when you make the curve on 215. And go from going south to to west. Yeah, sixty two hundred south. Right over there. Yeah. yeah. And when I walked in there, they were wrapping up with McCowan, the longtime strength guy. I know he looked at me like, what, what are you? <laughs> you're a production guy here? Who are you? <laughs> and I got the look like, why are you here? He probably had seen my face somewhere around somewhere, but I doubt he knew who I was. I, mean, I have no idea why I'm here, but they asked me to come, and it was <laughs> close to my home. And what the heck? It was a summer day, because I think we, we did it in like July or yeah. August, and uh, so yeah, and then the red light went on, and I went into my uh, blowhard uh, character that has worked so well, and and then when they released it, I was on it. Uh, so I think I got a copy of it at home. They may have sent me a copy. Uh Years from now, I'll watch it when I'm losing my teeth and all that stuff. Uh, but Joe has made just a phenomenal connection, and it would be a community blow. But I can see why a team would want him. He's got an expiring contract, and if nothing else, that can help. And he can make shots. I, I'm not worried about his shot not falling right now. That's like today. We've seen this with him a million times. Yeah. There's cold stretches, there's hot stretches. It's how shooters work. I don't think he's lost the ability to shoot. That, that just doesn't seem possible he's to me. He's in a cold stretch, so his percentage has dropped all the way down to 38%, which plenty of people are trying to get up to 38%. Yeah, I'm not really worried about that. And he's just like the other game. He still had six assists, didn't he, in the last game against uh, the Pelicans? In fact, I actually think it's good. Have your shot be off when your team wins. 
Because they can't be on all the time, right. and they might need you in Denver. Well, he's not going to play in Denver, so that's not well, a good we get your but, point. Right. Uh, yeah, he's going to be, his shot is going to come back. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't get, if you want to say he's slower on defense and he's an, uh, uh, a problem there and he's hurting you, all right, I can, I can listen to that argument. But him missing a few shots here and there, even three or four games, oh, okay, well, that, that happens. I mean, Mitchell was phenomenal. Who they beat uh, the other night? Uh, was it Minnesota? Minnesota. And, and then the next night, he couldn't buy a bucket. That's the nature of how that stuff goes. What I want to see is the next night, if you've got the ball and it's a two-point game and you've been having an off night, that you make a shot or you make a three. That's I really, really enjoy that. Because when the thing is the proverbial as big as the ocean, well, sure, of course you can do that. You got it going on. That That's great. These are NBA guys. And you expect that. But what I love is when it's not happening for you, that you still have enough fortitude to will that putt in the hole, so to speak, like we saw Tiger do for a decade. You know what I mean? It just seemed like, yeah, he was a great putter, but didn't it seem like it was his will that got the ball in the, in the cup in the first place? It just, I mean, the guy was just incredible to have the concentration and the wherewithal to be in the moment. And we've seen the great ones do that. They're not hitting very well, but, man, they hit a big shot. That's, that's when you know you got something. And I believe Joe can do that. So they would miss his shooting if he were to go. Tiger pointing at the ball in the playoff at the PGA. As the That's an, it's an iconic moment. In. Yeah. You can see it. Yeah. That's, that's when you know you got him. Michael says, The loyalty the Jazz have shown to certain players in the past has hampered our ability to win championships when we otherwise might have. Joe Ingles needs to go. I don't think it has. Who are you talking about? Who? What loyalty? Which player did they hang on to? I mean, they held on to the statues until John left, and then, and then we know Carl went and did what he did, and that was mutual. But they weren't going to win the championship those years. No. And, and really, though, but when you look at it, and tonight they're retiring. It's, it's a, a great timing on that, uh, reading that, because tonight Dallas is retiring Nowitzki's jersey. All right. No-brainer. Right, and I think they've got the game before the Jazz game, and I'm sure that's why they chose it. Uh, I don't even remember who they're playing. Uh, I think they might even be playing the Warriors, uh, and so they're going to retire the jersey. Right, he is clearly Mr. Maverick. We'd all agree on that. Best player in franchise history. Same type of deal with Joe, uh, with a foreign player coming in and connecting with the community. Now, obviously, he had a better career, longer career. But the point I'm making is they sucked at the end. So should they have launched the rebuild two or three years earlier? They certainly could have. Of course, then maybe you don't get Doncic. But they let it play out. They did. The Lakers they let it play out with Kobe. End. Ran that all the way to the end, yes. Right. So that's not an unusual circumstance to let it play out all the way to the end. Right? It, it does happen to where you know you got your Olajuwon and Ewing bouncing around two or three different teams. Uh, my childhood hero, Willie Mays, the Giants shipped him off to the Mets and he was stumbling in the outfield in the World Series at 42. Uh, so, and there's all, it, 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 there's stories of those guys. Emmett Smith playing for the Cardinals. When I, not, not the Cardinals of today, the pre-Kurt Warner Cardinals. Oof. They sucked. <laughs> right? 
And so those I'd actually things, forgotten about Emmett with the Cardinals. Yeah, lock that out. Right, right. But it did happen. Oh, it did. Yeah. So it does. You can go both ways on that. That starts a rebuild faster, but it doesn't necessarily win a championship. I'm trying to think That's who, true. who in '97 or '98, because they tried to make trades that didn't go through, and then who could they have dealt off the boozer team that would have brought somebody back that would have got them past the Lakers of that era? The boozer team, I like it. It's now the boozer team. Do Will and Boozer, Okura and Kirilenko. I don't know. Let's ponder that. Ponder that during the break. (laughs) DJ and PK coming up at 8 o'clock. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, will join us to put a wrap on the season and look ahead to next year. Andy Bailey covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. We'll run all this trade stuff by him at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. Frank Dolce right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Looking ahead to next season, Tavian Thomas, let's just assume he's back. Cam Rising's back. You do lose one of the best defensive players that's ever played at the University of Utah, Devin Lloyd. But the scene does seem to be set for this team to be really good again next year, don't you think? This is a football team that has significantly fewer question marks heading into 2022 than they did in 2021. With that in mind, with what looks like a staff that should still be intact, and with some terrific young players who really performed well this year. You know, I don't know what's going to happen in the South, but I think it's still a conference and a division that Utah can dominate, especially this coming season. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com The John Watson Chevrolet High School Player of the Week Award is presented weekly to the top prep boys and girls basketball players in northern Utah. This week's winners are Alex Trussell and Nixon Ardenia from Morgan High School. See why new and used car buyers give John Watson Chevrolet more five-star reviews than any other Chevy dealer in Utah. John Watson Chevrolet, your five-star Chevy dealer. You know, this is Hotel California. It's an iconic tune, and the music was written by Don Felder. And Don Felder, you know who he taught to play guitar? Tom Petty. Tom Petty was a little rascal running around in Gainesville, Florida, where ironically, where the uh, Utes open their season next year. So Way to bring it together. all together. <laughs> and they're getting a linebacker <laughs> transferred just, in from Gainesville. They just brought a co- linebacker yeah, in from Gainesville. But how about that? In Gainesville, and I think Felder was a few years older, and he was working at a, uh, a music store, and he didn't get money. He got store credit for working there. And he's like 16, 17 years old, and he would buy... Or he'd get uh, instruments and, and play them. And, and Petty came in as a few years younger. Tom Petty's gone now, unfortunately. And he taught him, taught him how to play guitar. Man, that worked. Get some residuals. Tom Petty obviously what? went on to a long rock and roll career. Yes. I get 1% of everything you earn going forward, kid. And he was also set up with, uh, speaking of Felder... Uh, the Allman brothers were from that area, as were the dudes who formed Leonard Skinner. We think of Motown and the Detroit area, obviously, all sorts of incredible music that came out of there. But little old Gainesville. It is little old Gainesville, really. It's had a uh, not a big town. It's a college a, town all the way. A huge uh, impact, particularly on that particular genre of rock and roll. A little nugget for the people.
was on a flight recently. And were? Went through uh, the documentaries on the screen. You know, the airlines provided a little video thing there on uh, Delta. And there was a uh, there was the thing Jimmy Carter rock and roll president, and it turned out that he had a lot of these Leonard Skinners. What made you think like, he was tight with Leonard Skinner, and they did stuff for him? There was no person who was Leonard Skinner. Uh, the band. <laughs> <laughs> Hence, they did stuff for him, and so there were there were multiple things they had, and also a bunch of jazz musicians did too. They had like concerts on the lawn at the White House, all kinds of stuff that wouldn't happen now. For well, good. I'm reasons. glad he was known for something good. Yeah. I had Jeez. no idea. All right, we were talking Joe Ingles. We got a lot of uh, feedback, people weighing in here. Odds on this happening, pretty good. Not 100%, but for the reason Joe said, he's got an expiring contract. I think Joe is well aware of it. Oh, yeah. And I think he's I think in retrospect, himself. he was more aware of it last summer when he talked to us about it. Uh than certainly than I was at the time. Maybe you were. Uh, when we talked to him about it last week, I think everybody was aware of it at that point. And you're right, preparing himself. I think he's almost resigned to the fact. Doesn't like it, so he would put the number closer to 100%. Doesn't like it, but sees his contract situation, and he brought this up with us, and wherever you get podcasts, you can go back and listen to it. It's available on all, all sorts of services. Uh, he talked about, I'm the guy on the team that's got a pretty big number that's got an expiring contract. The other guys with pretty big numbers who are in his ballpark don't have expiring deals. And it's a business, and he knows that that ups the odds on him way more. Not right. that something couldn't happen with somebody else. I mean, it could, but it's not nearly as Well, likely. I think it would be Joe 1, bogey 2. And that's it. Because they won't trade Gobert and Mitchell. I don't think they would if you can get somebody better, but you're yeah, not, but get you're not better. going to. It's just not realistic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Conley makes a lot of money and is older and his hamstring issues. That would be a risk. And he just resigned. Yeah, and he just re upped. Yeah. Uh, and who Cl- else? Clarkson or Royce. Go through the go through the rotation. That that's who else is out there. No, I don't see it. And that's why it's probably Joe. Or Bogey. If you want more scoring. Better offensive player than Joe. Doesn't have the expiring contract. Uh, Joe can give you more. Uh, more diversified game. He'll never take as many shots as Bogey. Uh, but he's a better passer, obviously. He's a better creator for other folks. We know that. And so I can see that. And maybe they... Maybe that's, depending on the quality of player that they can get back, that, that could be something. I wouldn't necessarily rule that out. Or they just say, hey, like, man, we feel like we've got the group here. We're going to ride this thing out. And then just look to the skies and hope for good fortune with injury situations. I mean, we can say all we want. Uh, Conley was out or hampered, and Donovan was playing on a whatever. I don't know. We just keep building that up, and he went for 39-9-9. To me, that's ridiculous, but people want to make excuses for why they didn't win. makes them feel better. Uh, but we don't know that if they would have had complete and total health that they would have gone all the way. We just assume that. <laughs> we do not know that. 
there's a lot in the media here could just can't come to the reach the conclusion. You know, they didn't win because they weren't good enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you didn't win because you were the third best team. Yeah, and so that uh, that could have been very the, very well would have happened. I don't know, but certainly I want to see everybody at their full strength, and then let's go see what happens. I don't care what the situation is. I mean, I that's probably the one thing you won't get. Uh, sure, but probably I want to see, get I see enough of it. Uh, I get it, and and as close to full strength as possible. You hate mm-hmm. it when one team's decimated and it wrecks what would have been a good series. Potentially. We don't know that. No, we don't. We will not, and we won't know till we get to May and June. Yeah. So I think they're, the good thing is I think they're dealing from a position of strength because I think they have a pretty, good, a, a pretty good team, and I think they can give, if it turns out to be they're the third seed, I think they can give either of those two teams ahead of them a great series and possibly even win. It's, to me, it's not like, wow, they got no shot here. I know, they're but aren't, desperate. Aren't, aren't most people past the you want to give them a great series? Are most people? Yeah, sure. Well, I think you're always past that. I mean, you you want to no, the Utah fans are not running around. We gave Ohio State a great game. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's you, you don't want to get blown out. And I and I think for for the, U, the Utah fans, it was about the old the entire experience that leads. I went and got my hair cut from someone today uh, yesterday. She's a big Ute fan. I told her she canceled the uh, sold Cowboy tickets to make sure she went there, and she said. I, even though my team lost, I had a great time. And she looked at me and she says, it's about entertainment, isn't it? I said, well, yeah, that's what I've been talking about for 20 years <laughs> on the radio. To me, it's always about entertainment. Was I entertained? I was wildly entertained in that Rose Bowl. So you can come away feeling pretty good about that. But if you went to five Rose Bowls, maybe the six, you'd be beyond being entertained. But for the first one, everybody thought it was awesome. Yes. And the first couple of years the Jazz were in the playoffs when they won in the first round and lost to a team that we all recognized, oh, well, Golden State's going to win the title. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Houston is, if they don't win the title, they're the second best team in basketball. That was a different so move. Everyone is beyond the Clippers series. Giving them a e- good series. Right. Even with the, uh, there were injuries and they weren't healthy, there was way more disappointment after the Clippers series. You're not series. paying $30 million in luxury tax to give somebody a good series. Exactly. There you go. All right, DJ and PK coming up next to football, to college football, our college football insider. Riley Jensen joins us next, and we will look ahead for all the local teams to next season. And we got a Utah Jazz free agent signing. Bum, bum, bum. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Said you got a free agent signing over there, PK? The Jazz have made a move to sign Kevin Durano. Uh, it is a Danwell house. Remember him from Houston? They're going to sign him to a 10-day deal. Got a roster spot after the Mioni move. And they're going to have some guys out. So Joe is out for tonight's game against Denver. 8 o'clock tip time, 7 o'clock the pregame. 6'7", seven, 220 pounds. Texas A&M, undrafted. He'd go to University of Houston and then transferred over to A&M. Uh, been bouncing around. Was with Washington. Was with a two-way contract with Phoenix. Back down in the G League and then the Rockets. Uh, called him up in uh, 2018. So he has played, uh, uh, look like, uh, 178 games so far, if this is updated. Not that one year, uh, 19, 2019, 2020, 
Uh, Average 10.5 points a game, 4.2 boards. Uh, Okay shooter from three. 36% that year. Career-wise, 42% from the field, 36% from three. But he's got a nice size, so we'll see. A little bit of size, a little bit of three-point shooting. Yeah. And then do you fit in the right system and somebody believes in you? We've heard that from so many athletes so many times. you got to find the right spot, the right timing with the numbers game. Well, does he even get out on the floor? It remains to be seen. So. DJ and PK, it's time to bring in Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic. And guys, if you're struggling with ED, Andrew's got some clinical studies to tell you all about. We certainly do. In fact, this technology is, uh, you know, 50 clinical studies now, probably 55, showing that acoustic wave therapy opens up and regrows blood vessels. Uh, The technology uses gentle pressure waves over a few 10-minute sessions. It's a game changer. If you're out there frustrated in the bedroom, if you're sick of the pill, noticing a lack of blood flow, well, we correct a lot of that here at Wasatch Medical. And at the end of the day, we'd like to think that the relationships are what uh, improve. So what are the causes? Guys are probably wondering, why is this happening to me? Well, yes, that is a common concern. Uh, Diabetes, prostate issues, we kind of see that, aging. But I'll say this, we treat men in their 20s, 30s, and 40s almost every day here in the clinic. So if you're out there struggling, you're more normal than you think. Generally, it's the blood vessels are a little bit damaged. The blood flow is a little bit restricted. That is exactly what our technology corrects. And you got a special offer for people who call right now because our listeners like deals, and you got a deal. We certainly do. If you're ready to put a stop to your ED, guys, regain the love life, or just improve frequency, we do a lot of that, uh, call us now, exam assessment and blood flow ultrasound with the MD. No charge. The gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom. You'll love that. And this is pretty cool. If you feel like you have a need, blood work and testosterone, that's free today as well. You can call Wasatch Medical right now and claim that free offer at 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Call Wasatch Medical Clinic right now, 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. All right, DJ and PK, we're supposed to be checking in with uh, Riley Jensen here. Yach will try to track him down. We're going to talk a little college football with him. Look ahead to next season. If you missed the news, the Utes to the transfer portal to get a linebacker from Florida, Muhammad Diabate. 6'3", 227, 89 tackles for the Gators. Second leading tackler. Started games all three years, not every game all three years, but he had 16 starts over the last two seasons. You want to buy all this hype, PK? More to bet on than the high school kid coming in? Ooh, I don't know about that. You don't think so? They got Barton coming in. He's a bigger slam dunk? (laughs) Again, I don't know about that. But I wouldn't say that this kid is going to be better just because he's played a couple years in Florida. It's time to... Bring, let's bring in uh, Riley Jensen now, our college football insider. Riley, good morning. Hey, what's happening, guys? Well, transfer portal news. Which linebacker should you fans be excited about? The high school mega superstar? Yep. 
The guy we don't know about who Kyle and his staff are developing who will turn into an NFL guy or somebody who's transferring in from Florida who had 89 tackles and was second on the team. Does it, does it have to be? Does it have to be one or the other? Can you not be excited about all of them? Uh, right, you got to play by his rules. Haven't you learned that by now? <laughs> I mean, I just I'm I'm looking at it going, man. This is a position where they have two really mega stars. I mean, at middle linebacker, and they always produce good defensive play. And they need depth, and they need players. And when when you bring in linebackers, it's not like you're, it's not like a quarterback where only one guy can play. I'll bet you that all three of these guys contribute in one way or another. And so I, I think if you're University of Utah, you're just you're just excited in general about portals, about great high school linebackers, about anybody that's in the program right now because they're you know they're going to be developed and you know they're going to play good football. And yet, how surprised were you that the Utes had a quarterback throw for over, over 500 yards against them in a Rose Bowl? Well, that, that, was, that was difficult for me because I, I, and I tweeted out, and I was totally wrong, but I, I tweeted out that they were, were going to win this game because they were winning the line of scrimmage. This was like in the second quarter. And I've just always seen, you know, Coach Sharif Shah, Coach Morgan Scally, these guys, be able to figure out some sort of an answer to what was going on. And, look, they were way shorthanded at DB, and I think it was just too much. It was, it was too hard for them to be able to overcome. Now, you can make excuses for Ohio State. You can make excuses for Utah. That was a really fun football game to watch, other than I got a little bit of flashbacks to my dating life like 12 years ago. I mean, that's kind of what I felt like that game was like. You know, you feel like you're doing great. You feel like you're winning. You feel like you have a chance. And then, boom, right at the last second, like, you're, you're not going to win. Oh, yeah, so, I thought like, it, man. You were getting to the end zone a bunch. I did, too. I thought, you know, I thought I was going to take it all the way across the goal line. But, you know, you know. I don't know what you're talking about, but metaphorically <laughs> speaking is what I was talking about. Me too. <laughs> sure. That was a very sure. predictable answer out of PK. You walked him into that. Sure, PK. <laughs> I know. But, you know, uh, that game, I it, I know that there's been games like that for, for other college football teams in the last five years. But, man, that if you're a Utah fan, you had to have been feeling a myriad of emotions from, oh my gosh, we're going to dominate to this team, to, uh-oh, what happened, to, oh no, Cam Rising just got knocked out, to, oh, okay, this guy comes in, throws one of his first passes for a touchdown, to, oh man, we just didn't have enough to stop, you know, that, that passing game. But, man, you just got to give a lot of credit. The, the way the season started to the way the season finished for the University of Utah, it's like the first of the year, you, you can barely even remember – the, the losses to San Diego State and the difficult start that they had. So BYU and Utah are combined 14-1 and against the Pac-12. And they were 500 in their other games, and that includes beating a couple of big sky schools, one apiece. So how much do you think that the local schools have really got something going, are on top of the world, are really ready to build on this and look out, and how much is, well, the Pac-12 had a bunch of teams with quarterback issues, a bunch of teams with interim coaches, and it was a down year, and they did what good teams should do. They, they beat teams having a down year, but don't get too worked up about it. 
Well, I just don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think any of us have really known what to expect out of Pac-12, but it seems like every year we're going, oh, well, it was a down year for the Pac-12. Now I'm just kind of going, well, is, is this just what the Pac-12 is? Now that's not to say that, that you know, BYU is going to go undefeated every year against the Pac-12, and, and same with the Utes going, you know, what was it, 6-1 and one or something like that against the Pac-12. But I just wonder if maybe we put the Pac-12 on a pedestal it's just a little higher than what it is. Maybe it's just a notch down from what we thought it was, and that, and that there's going to be opportunities for, you know, good G5 teams, you know, teams like BYU, and and, and other teams to be able to compete against Pac-12 teams uh, going forward in the future. I, I mean, I just don't, I don't see it changing. I mean, you know, they used to call it the wacky whack. I think it's the wacky Pac-12. It's just crazy. Every single year, I have no idea what to expect. You have Oregon beating Ohio State at the beginning of the year, and then they lose to Stanford midway through the year, and then they get blown out by Utah twice at the end of the year. I mean, it's just, it's. I have no idea how to get any consistency or to get a beat on any of these teams. Now, the one thing that I will say, and this is just, this is just me thinking outside the box. I do feel like the NIL has a chance, and like I said, it has a chance to help teams like UCLA and USC to build up their programs because there's a lot of money down there. There's a lot of companies that are down there. And I actually feel like the Pac-12 could like maybe balance out the rest of the country if NIL really takes over. I mean, what if United Airlines comes in and gives a kid a $250,000 a year stipend, you know, to represent their airline there at USC? I mean, it's a possibility, right? And all of a sudden, you're getting guys from, you know, that are flipping from Florida State to, to Jacksonville State. There has to be something going on as far as the NIL. It can't just be because you love Deion Sanders, right? So I'm just feeling like there could be an evening up in the Pac-12, especially with all the money that is in Los Angeles. And and I don't think it hurts the University of Utah because that's not what they built their program on. But I think that it could help USC and UCLA to maybe start picking off some of these top talents or maybe just some of these top talents that, are, that, that were right there in L.A. that were going all over the country to, to play football. Okay, but then how does that affect somebody like Utah if they can – can they cash in on it? Because that's the next level that they need to go is, all right, it's been cool to develop these guys, but how about you getting some big-time studs like a Thibodeau who are destined from the NFL probably since the sophomore in high school? Well, I think, I think there's two ways to survive in, in today's environment. It's, and one is NIL and two is winning, and right now Utah's winning. I mean, they're, every, everywhere you turn and everywhere you look – to me, it just keeps getting better and better and better. I mean, look, I have a whole bunch of I have a whole bunch of friends from the University of Utah football team from my era. So you're talking like '97 to like 2000, and some of those guys have turned frankly to me and they're like, "Dude, I don't." And these guys are starters. These guys are contributors to the University of Utah teams back then. And we're not talking about terrible football teams. We're talking about teams that went to bowl games and competed hard and. And 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 even won Mountain West Conference championships, or I can't remember if they were, no, they weren't whack back then, but Mountain West Conference championships, and they're looking at me and they're like, dude, I don't even know if I make this team, and I, and they're positive they don't make the two deep. And so when you look at 
the University of Utah football team. And when you look at those guys get off the bus, I mean, this is a different level of athletes. It's no different than me at Utah State. When I look at the level of athletes that are at Utah State, it's completely different than when I was there. It's completely different. And, and BYU, I think you could make the same argument as far as athleticism. Now, you can always make arguments for, like, whether the teams were better, whether they came to better together better, or, or how those things happened. But there is no question right now across the state of Utah – and you can take this down to even like Weber State and Snow College and some of these teams that are that are winning a ton of football games as well. It is a different type of athlete that is stepping off of those buses to play in games than it's ever been in the state of Utah. And it's really fun to watch and it's exciting to follow. And these guys are freaking studs. They're they're freak athletes. And we're just gonna see more and more and more players Right now, especially in this in this little window where Utah State, BYU, and Utah can really take advantage of the seasons that they've had, where, where you're going to see guys coming out of those programs and playing in the NFL and playing in the NFL for a long time. So that talent difference you talk of, well, that's the difference between Ohio State beating Utah 64-6 to or whatever it was back in the 80s and now playing a 48-45 game. But there's still a lot of heavy lifting to be done when you see that the Utes had 17 four-star, four or five-star athletes, and Ohio State had 65. Yeah, I mean, look, it's 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 never as bad as it seems. It's never as good as it gets. Like, there's always going to be something that you can improve. But I think, I mean, I think that whole deal, and I saw that statistic. I don't know if it was tweeted out or whatever, but um, that's that's a real compliment to the coaching the coaching staff at the University of Utah, these guys are developing people. They're not even close to the amount of players that are going to Ohio State, but they're still winning, and they're still going to Rose Bowls. And for all intents and purposes, those guys, they had Ohio State on the ropes. And, and, and I, you know, as I was thinking about it this weekend, I mean, we've got to give a lot of credit to Andy Ludwig, too. I mean, look at the – since he's been back in the program, and then even if you go back to when he was in the program before – I mean, all he does is produce his quarterbacks. All he does is produce offense. All he does is produce – I mean, I, I know I joke around about this, but we ran him out of town after the Sugar Bowl, and he averaged like 447 yards offense and like 37 points a game. And people were like, ah, we just – you know, we got we got to find a new offensive guy, you know. And now he's back, and he's developing quarterbacks like Huntley. He's now found and gotten to Cam Rising and really taking advantage of his talents and the way that he can play. I mean, they're doing some really, really cool things offensively. For whatever reason, there was injuries, and they got kind of snake bit a little bit defensively. But I think I don't think there's any alarms going off as far as like the defense goes. And I, you know, I just see this team playing really, really well going into the future. It's a it's a fun team to watch. I can tell you this: I look forward as you know, not a Utah fan, but I look forward to to watching a University of Utah football team this year more than I've ever liked watching them. And that's not to take away from some of the teams in the past that have been really good, but as an offensive guy, as somebody who likes to see the ball moved, and and, and, a, and a guy who likes to see good defense as well, the, these University of Utah teams are fun to watch. And I'm, I'm definitely, uh, for next year, I'm, I'm tuning in when Cam Rising is playing football. That's a fun quarterback to watch. What'd you make of that uh, Wyoming kid transferring the quarterback transferring to Utah State. Seems like their roster is a little stacked there. 
Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, uh, Peasley went into the portal, then they pick up Wyoming kid. I mean, I my, my brothers were telling me about this, and I didn't see it. I, I don't know if it was on TikTok or if it was on Twitter, but apparently apparently this quarterback has a girlfriend that's playing volleyball at Utah State, right? And then they were showing somebody else that transferred to Pitt. Oh, it was, uh, it was the quarterback Slovis. from USC. Slovis. Yeah, Clovis transfers to, to USC because his girlfriend's at Pitt. And I, you know, you start looking at this, and you're like, "Oh, free agency is bringing people together." <laughs> they, they weaken knees, Riley. <laughs> they, you no, know, this is bringing people together, PK. They can, they can have it all. They don't just have to have Division One scholarships. They can have their girlfriend and Division One scholarships. It's great. So, the, <laughs> the interesting part about that transfer to me, though, is, I mean, Bonner's still back. You're going from like starting at Wyoming to like you, you're going to watch for a year. That's interesting to me. I, that's an interesting mindset. That's an interesting thought. Of course, of course, Utah State is going to take as many quarterbacks as it can in that room because they know quarterbacks transfer. So if they can get one in that they think is worthwhile, yeah, of course you're going to take him. Right? Yeah, of course you're going to take him. Where so, is uh, I don't know this. Where does Cooper Lagoff fit into all this? Well, I, I, I think he fits in. I mean, I think that's the other reason that it's a little bit of a head-scratcher with this, with this quarterback coming in. I mean, as a coach, look, you're always going to say, like, hey, we want that room to compete. We want Cooper Legau to compete for his job. We want this. We want that, right? And may the best man win. And, and then when, when those guys go and compete, whoever comes out as the, as the winner of that starting position, then, then you're happy with it. Um, it can't feel good though to play as good as you did as Cooper Lega, and then your your coaches are bringing in somebody else. I mean, it's just like, okay, wait, where where do I stand here? What, what what's my role? I thought I thought I kind of shored this up, you know. And so there'll be interesting conversations. But I think you know, there's been some articles that I've been reading too, like backup quarterbacks. <laughs> That that's going to be a really really hard thing in college football now, uh, because you're you're never safe, you're never safe with the portal. Like it used to be that if you were, you know, Robbie Bosco behind Steve Young or Steve Young behind Jim McMahon, you wait a couple years, you keep developing, you're going to be a really good quarterback, and you're going to go down in the annals of history at your school as a as a really great quarterback. Well, I don't know that that situation exists anymore. You could be a really, really good backup for a really, really good quarterback. You're doing everything that you're supposed to do. You're developing the way you're supposed to do. But then some guy from Central Florida who threw for 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns next year gets falls in love with your program and reaches out to your coaches and says, I want to transfer there. And then all of a sudden you're the backup for four years or you're in the portal the next thing you know. I mean, look, it's it, it's going to be tough for quarterbacks. You you look at somebody like Jackson Dart, by, by, all, by all accounts, he played great football this year and had some amazing games this year for USC in a meaningless year for USC. Like the, He was out there competing and playing and making great plays for a team that wasn't really competing or making great plays anywhere around him. In fact, that last game of the year that he played against Cal where he got knocked out, I felt bad for him because – it's a meaningless game that they're making up, and half of the players aren't playing. There was, there was like three of his receivers that were like, well, I can't play more than four games or else I lose my red shirt, so I'm sitting out. There was guys that have already, you know, said they're going into the draft. Well, now 
he's played a great year, and Caleb Williams is now in the portal, and he's taking a week off with his family to figure out where he's going to go to school. Well, well, guess what? The head coach at USC just had him last year at Oklahoma, and they threw for a bajillion yards and played awesome. So what are you going to do if you're Jackson Dart and Caleb Williams transfers in? Do you think that's a fair fight? Do you think, do you think that that's a, a place where you can like go, well, geez, man, I gave everything I could. I feel like I've won the locker room over. I feel like I've won my teammates over, but this new coach, if he brings in Caleb Williams, I mean, even if I did win the job, isn't it a short leash? Yeah. You know, so I, it's a tough. It's it's going to be a it's going to be a tougher position to play than it's ever been, because it's free agency without contracts. <laughs> you know, I mean, guy can transfer almost every year without any penalty. Yep. And so all of a sudden it's like, how the freak do I develop into the quarterback I want to be? Really, what we're going to see is just the only guys that play quarterback in college are the guys that are freaks coming out of high school that are already six four, two hundred and forty and are already completely developed. There's not going to be a lot of room for, you know, a Baylor-Romney that develops into a really good quarterback at BYU. So it's, it's, it's interesting. This whole this NIL, I think, is going to keep rocking our worlds for probably three to five years before we really get a grip on, like, what that whole picture looks like. Riley, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you guys. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Andrew Reinhardt here from Wasatch Medical this morning. And, Andrew, you got a breakthrough treatment. No pills, no injections, no side effects. That's right. If you're out there struggling, guys, in the bedroom, a little bit frustrated, maybe the frequency isn't what it used to be, uh, maybe you've got ED and you don't know what to do, we have helped so many guys at Wasatch Medical. Uh, technology is changing pretty much all aspects of our life. It's finally changing how we treat ED. The technology is called wave therapy. Uh, We use the two most advanced versions at Wasatch Medical. The pressure waves that it puts out open up and regrow the blood vessels. It's backed by 50 clinical studies saying this is the new standard of care for ED, and it can improve circulation enough you can get off of the pill uh, who doesn't want more blood flow in the bedroom, by the way? And you're seeing guys of all ages? We are. Uh, we treat men from age 20 to age 90. I'd like to think we have seen every single health condition that comes through this door. It's so targeted and proven, it can work for just about any age or category. Our listeners want deals, and you've got a deal. We do. If you're ready to put a stop to your ED, or if you just have questions, Call us now. You'll meet with our MD. Free uh, exam assessment and blood flow ultrasound. Zero obligation to this, by the way. You get the gift. This is worth the trip. Produces immediate results to intimacy. And this is pretty cool and valuable. Blood work and testosterone. If you feel like you have a need, that's free today as well. The number to call, 801-901-8000. That's 801-901-8000. Call Andrew at Wasatch Medical Clinic right now. You can claim that special offer, 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. DJP Game of the Morning is proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Question of the morning, are you cool with trading Joe Ingles in an attempt to improve defensively? Jazz fans pretty much split on this. The reaction we've gotten, a lot of people, I love Joe, no chance, don't do it. 
Uh, we've also got people who are like, well, there's been a lot of first and second round outs here. We know how far this team can go. And you got to make a move. And we had Joe on. Well, we have Joe on all the time. But when he was on last week, he talked about the fact that he's the player with the expiring contract. And he knows that makes him the most likely guy and that his name is going to come up a lot because of the business side of the game. Lou Dort is a guy who's been mentioned, and PK, I get why Jazz fans would mention Lou Dort. I'm, I'm not clear on why Oklahoma City would want to part ways with Lou Dort unless they were willing to do it to get someone to take a bad, a bad contract off their hands. But other than that, I, I don't see the motivation for them. Okay, fine. So cross them off the list. Cross them off, find somebody else. <laughs> You're not married to Lou Dort. <laughs> I'm not. Basketball, emotionally speaking. No, I got you. Do you believe in that there's something to be said for the camaraderie and the guys get along and love playing with each other, and so that can make up for more than any talent deficiency that it would appear to have? Well, that definitely counts for something in the game and in the sport. I mean, I I definitely believe that can make a team better, but I think that's been making this team better for a while, so we know how much they're going to get out of that. And I think we've seen how much how good the Warriors and the Suns are, and we've seen what the Jazz deficiencies are. And I don't think that all that camaraderie and all that is going to make up for the deficiencies we've seen. Really? I also don't know that whoever they bring in is going to wreck the camaraderie. I mean, they might fit in great, they might fit in awful, they might fit in okay. That but he won't remains be Joe. to be But he won't seen. be Joe. No, clearly not. He and Rudy are the longest tenured guys. Yep. They've been with Quinn Snyder, the only two guys that have been there every day. The whole deal. Everybody else is new to one degree or another. Is there something to be said for that? I don't think that the new guy is necessarily going to wreck it, but he's not going to replace it either. Agreed. It doesn't have to be Mark Jackson. I should be starting. <laughs> that would be that'd be a worst case scenario. Yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't have to have to be Telling that. all the young guys on the second team getting in their heads. Right. But he won't, no matter who it is, it won't have the same impact. No. No, it won't. Nor should someone try to come in and be Joe. Come in and be yourself. Sage advice. Thank you. And if it's snowing out there, drive carefully. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) No, speed and wreck somebody. Well, then why do you people in television have to tell us every time? Don't we already know it? No, because there's always people out there speeding, sliding off the road, wrecking Well, then they're not going to listen because there's always there. Maybe one did. Last night I had your thing. The school district is going to do something. It's on Channel 2. I'm getting ready to bed. going to bed. My wife is. They're doing something to try to end racism. You're never going to end racism. Well, they can't not do anything. <laughs> you got to try. But, right. Make it better for one but, person. And it has the little thing on the screen to end racism. I think I said, that's never going to happen. That's TV land where everybody gets along. So you're not going to have somebody who's going to come in and get along to this level. But is that your goal? You care about that. That's what I'm asking. How big of a deal is that? Because the second you sign off on trading Joe, you're wrecking that. And it has nothing to do with the other guy. He could be Mike Conley-like, who's recognized as a great dude. But he doesn't have all this history. Yeah. I mean, Conley has history with the team now that he didn't have right. a year but, and a half but, ago. But we knew Mike Conley is as solid as they get. I love right. his, listening to him do interviews because he's, never he's always so level-headed. Never rattled. Yeah, yeah, I'm level-headed. I'm a bad guy. He's level-headed. He's the greatest. <laughs> you agree. Thank you. 
You just keep living in your world, buddy. It's okay. working for you. All so right. what, how can I criticize that? But here, so you're gonna you're gonna dent that. How important is that? I don't know what the answer to that is. Can I put a quantifiable measurement on that? No, I don't think you can. It's real, but good luck. But is it overrated? It. Well, that would probably depend in every situation. Uh, you know, is it overrated here? Well, I don't. I don't know how you're rating it in the first place to say it's overrated. Well, they pump I mean, it up. It's like this, it's, it's one of the assets of the team. It is, and I, and I believe that it is. Joe and talks about it all the time, and he's Joe is as real as they get. Yes, and I think he's not going to talk about something when you're that's looking, bogus. When you're looking at the blender and how the ball moves, yeah, all that all that stuff matters. You get someone me me me, well, then the ball stops. And he's not saying it exclusively when he potentially could be out the door. He was saying it when a few years back. Mm-hmm. So it means something to him, and he's there every day. The, the, and that's why when they said, oh, that thing was unsalvageable, he scoffed at it from day one and said it was BS. He called he, it out immediately. He, we, we spoke to him about that. Yeah. yeah. And he, he loved the fact we brought it up because he wanted to shoot it down. Because whatever tension there was, by the time we were addressing it publicly, well, it had been addressed internally prior to that. For sure. And so whatever it was, and I, I, mean, I think there was legitimately something there, but by the time we were all talking about it and still taking it seriously, at that point it was water under the bridge. Yeah. Whatever it happened. A 23-year-old kid was had, miffed. Wow. Right. Whatever it happened, it happened. That's news. Right. Get mad, don't stay mad. The younger they are, the more drama you tend to have. I think that in the final analysis, I'm not 100% sold on this. I think that they would be wise well, to try to improve the team, even if it's the at the expense of this kumbaya camaraderie stuff. Because we heard that with Derek Favors, and oh, he was such a nice man, and blah, 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 yeah, blah. But his body and then down. I go out, yeah, but well. even when his body was going well, I criticized him to agree and was told to stick it. <laughs> yeah, that's true, you were. I was here for that. Yeah. Because I, I dared question the great Derek Favors. I didn't think he was good enough. Well, that debate raged inside the organization. That he wasn't good enough. He was too limited. He didn't provide the skill set they needed. Yeah. More three-point shooting. And I didn't think he floor. should be guaranteed minutes. And then the other argument was, well, Rudy got hurt and you only won a playoff series because you had him. And I think that debate went at the highest levels. Well, once he played, yeah, but at that point, he had, when I made that statement, he wasn't playing backup center. That was before then. Gobert hadn't developed. Two different scenarios no. there. So, sure, as a backup center at that point, he was pretty good. And then, obviously, his body continues to break down, and he's a mess below the waist, basically. All of his natural abilities that he brought to the floor were taken away from him. Yeah. He's playing old man basketball below the rim. Right. Where before, you know, he, he was could flying do high and dominating. Yeah, as a backup center, he was great. But, th- but, but that was before. I'm talking about but when it was fave and G. G time and fave. You remember those days? G time and fave. Well, I didn't think fave was a cornerstone. And G time wasn't either, for that matter. Uh, well, there were good times all they lasted. And then they were, and, they were fine. Yeah. And then they moved on. 
but then when I made that statement, I didn't think that Jeet or Faye got to the playoffs when they was a three. was a big foundation piece. I didn't think his skill level. And then he and then he had the uh, situation where the game kind of passed him by. His body broke down, and the game, game passed, passed him, him by. by. The because, game morphed; it evolved. Yeah, and that wasn't his skill set. But as a healthy backup center, sign me up for him every time. But nevertheless, they got rid of him. And I asked Kevin that, or to Kevin, um, Lindsey, at the locker clean-out thing, I asked him point blank, can you bring these guys back together? And he gave me some double talk when knowing darn well they weren't bringing them back, back together. together. Yeah, I just didn't want to say it right then. <laughs> but yet it was a blow to the community and folks within the organization who really loved him because he was a nice, gentle man and all that. And that's so all, it, that's the all great. Answer, so but the, they still got rid of him so, and they got better. So the answer is if they make a trade, whether it's Joe or it's somebody else, you know, if it's Bogey or whatever, you know, who do you get back and how do they fit in? I mean, you can't really answer that. I I think that camaraderie trust thing matters when the ball is moving in the blender. I think it matters when you're rotating on defense and picking up each other's guys and not worried about who scores and then somebody who doesn't watch the game closely says, well, this guy lit up that guy for 28 points. Eh, no, he really didn't because that guy was rotating and helping on defense and it's not that simple. I so just going to go to five guys at this point. I think that, that whole trust thing, it, sure it matters. <laughs> but if you get talent back and it's talent you need and it fills in a hole, well, that, but that, then but do it. That, but that, that's the answer then. Then there's no resolve not to do it. You must be resolved 100% to do it because you're not going to make a deal. Oh, we didn't get talent back. We didn't get a guy who fits in. If you're a, a championship caliber team, which this team, I believe, is, then you're going to do that. You're not, you're not going to make a salary dump at this point. No, but you could make a bad deal. Yeah, but you don't think you're going to make a bad deal. 100%. No, we're going to make a bad, bad deal. deal. Right. No, you're not sabotaging yourself. No, that's we second guess after the fact, obviously. That's the right. definition of second guessing. But they're going to make the deal with the idea that we're better. We're better with this player with these guys than we were with that player we'll risk, with these guys. Right. We risk the camaraderie and the trust, and we, we build it when the new person or persons get here. Is it worth risking? Or do you let it play out and see where it goes? And then his contract expires, and, and you have the opportunity to consider, and you're not up against it. And then you let everything play out. You saw how Gay fit in in the postseason. You saw how Whiteside fit in in the postseason. You hopefully saw how a healthy Conley played in the postseason. Uh, Mitchell, I've got no worries about. He's a bona fide. I can count on him. I'd be shocked if he didn't play well. He seems to elevate at that point. Yeah. So he seems I, to get better. Yeah, I've got no no worries on on where he's at and his mindset and all that stuff. He he knows what he wants and he knows how to go about it and he's been following this league. He's an East Coast dude. He understands all the toughness that you need. So, to me, that's not I don't need to see another postseason out of him to say, "Yeah, okay." But you know, there's a mindset of, "Well, Conley's been hurt and if he's healthy, you know, how does how does it work? How does it all work?" Cuz it's a so many big pieces to this puzzle. I'm, I'm talking myself. I've, at the beginning of this segment, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now at the end of it, oh, no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, if, what if the answer is there's a trade out there that can make you better, but 
the Warriors are going to have the best team and they're going to win the championship. Yeah, but you can't control them. You still have to make, to make this move over better. here. Right. I mean, sure, they got they got a Hall of Famer coming back Sunday, they said. And, and Jordan, everybody Jordan will have to adjust great to find. that, but everybody will have time to adjust to that. And they got Steph Curry oh, yeah. playing at a phenomenal level. It's up to Peyton Jr. and uh, Poole to adjust to Thompson mm-hmm. and Kerr to figure it all out. And you're right. So I don't expect the adjustment to be game one. Sorry, Poole. It's not going to be like uh, Pasco. Once Gay came back, Pasco, you're done. You go sit on the bench now. Thanks, but we don't need you anymore. We may need you down the line, but we don't need you right now. But the Warriors are going to have guys who are playing big minutes who are going to be playing some minutes. Right, but I don't think it's going to be as immediate. It may not be, because Clay could come right. back with a minutes restriction. He could come back not playing back-to-back. It seemed like when Gay came back, Pascal was done yes. for the time being. But he knew that going in. And here, I don't think it's going to be that way. I don't think all of a sudden Poole is going to be playing 10 minutes. I think it's going to check back in right. March or April. But for now, I think there's going to be a gradual. But you can't control them. You still have to make your team as good as it can be. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, don't mess up the radio show, okay? Because I'm selfish. With Joe? Yeah. Obviously. All right, coming up, Andy Bailey's going to join us. We'll run all this by him. He covers the NBA for Bleacher Report and see what he thinks the Jazz could do, would do, should do, and where it can move them and how far it can move them in the West. Katie Wingy, Denver Nuggets host and analyst and reporter for Altitude Sports is going to join us at 930 to talk about the Jazz and the Nuggets tonight. She's coming up at 930. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Denton Goodman, who DM'd me on Twitter, he said the Utes will go to, quote, a lot of Rose Bowls? That's hilarious. You sound like a homer. Outside of USC, what Pac-12 schools in history have gone to, quote, a lot of Rose Bowls? Washington? Yeah, Washington. Oregon's now seem to be doing pretty well. I mean, they don't go to a lot of Rose Bowls, but they'll be there pretty regularly. I put Oregon in the USC category. I don't know if Utah can do it on that frequent of basis, but yeah, why not? Like, I think Utah could very easily be it to a decade, which is a lot. That's once every five years. That's basically once a recruiting cycle. I think that's probably pretty reasonable for what this Utah football program is right now. I think they'll be back multiple times. How about that? Is that better than a bunch? Here's my take. Utah's going to go to a lot of Rose Bowls. I don't need to change that. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 The Zone, powered by kslsports.com. JPK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's a Wednesday, which means it's a win tickets Wednesday. And right now, Caller 12 will win a family four-pack to see the Utah Grizzlies and the Idaho Steelheads at the Maverick Center on February, January, excuse me, on Friday, January 14th. Great seats still available. Visit utahgrizzlies.com to get tickets or find out about upcoming games. Friday, January 14th, Grizzlies, Steelheads, Maverick Center, Caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Got more people weighing in this morning. What should the Jazz do? Here comes the trade deadline. On a Thursday in February, right, PK? Yeah, the 10th. Are you cool with trading Joe Ingles in an effort to improve defensively? Brian, I believe whatever management and coaches think will better the team is best, not what the fans think. Well, then we'll be quiet here, Brian, and we'll just see Well, not what the fans think for sure, but I don't know that they know that it's a guarantee. Tony says, nope, we are a defensive player away from an NBA title. Said nobody ever in the history of time. 
Tony wants to outscore people on the way to the title. Yeah. But I think that the playoffs tend to be a somewhat of a different game and you're going to need stops. You're going to need great defensive play. Jazz needed a bucket to pull put the Bulls away in game 6 and couldn't get it. And who knows what happens game 7. You logically would think they win game 7, but they don't. They don't get the bucket. They don't get the stop. Double whammy. Now, you know, Jordan was the guy, and I don't know if there's a Jordan in the game right now, so if it comes to that, I like your chances. Uh, but I, I do think you need to have to have some form of resistance on the defensive end. Uh, Make sure that other guy shoots uh, 50% instead of 55. That star player, you well, have a problem corralling. Contest shots. I mean, I, it's I, hard to contest shots if you have if you can't stay in front of people. Right, and they're constantly right, right. breaking you down. Yeah, exactly, precisely. Everything gets out of whack. So, can you get a, another guy? Add one more guy who can stay in front of his man when he's on the ball, and that leads to all sorts of problems. It's never that simple because if he can, then they're going to run screens, pick and roll stuff, and they'll yeah. try to put you in a scramble. That and way. go read the Ringer article. They break it down and they have video embedded into the piece. And you can see the what they're read, what they're writing, and then they illustrate it to. So, so they say a, a guy gets beat, and then that what that does to Gobert, and you can actually see the Jazz defenders getting dragged around the court. Yes, and there the, was one the at the, the top of the key uh, on the Jazz side, and the dude just goes right around. The, I think it was Clarkson. I'm not sure. And then they do another thing where they do, and on the other side. The, the floor on the visitor. There's a Warriors bench. They do a high pick and roll, and guys standing around, and uh, I think it was Curry with a bounce pass to a cutter, and it's a dunk. And you're asking Gobert to be all over the place. And he can't. And then somehow yeah. he becomes the whipping boy if Terrence Mann goes off. Well, if you're the defender who's closest to the guy who makes the shot, you're going to get blamed by 80% of the people. Now, the coach and the GM may know better. It's all sorts of rotations. I mean, Majerus was just an expert on team defense. I mean, I learned so much from him talking about team defense after practice on the phone late at night. He would talk about it, and then I would have a reference point, so then I'd go to the game, and then I'd watch it, thinking, oh, that's what he was talking about. And to be able to get five guys in concert defensively, was a thing of beauty. It wasn't necessarily a thing of beauty to the, aesthetically because he would then tend to grind on the other end offensively and he would but, complain about himself how he said guys have bench eye because they know I'm over there ready to yell at them. <laughs> I mean, he would tell me that. Yeah. But on the defensive end, man, they had guys to be able to do what they could. And you get a kid like a Drew Hansen. I'm going way back now on a smaller scale. And Drew talked about this himself. He was on that Final Four team saying that he probably couldn't have that role with any other team in the country. But he was 6'5", he had agility, he had decent enough arms, he's got size and, and a good enough quickness that he was a vital part of that team. And so if the Jazz can get that, you know, maybe they advance because Terrence Mann or whomever isn't going off. I don't know what happens in the next round. But maybe they, maybe they do advance. Maybe they don't beat Phoenix. I don't know. We'll never know. I wish I would have found out. It would have been fun. It would have been the, uh, you know, the Kinahan Civil War. Me rooting for the Jazz, the fam down there, rooting for the Suns. We wouldn't have been on speaking terms for two weeks. 
Been there, done that. <laughs> oh, actually years, but that's another story. <laughs> Maybe it would have been new with your sisters. <laughs> yeah, that's never been the case. Uh, yeah, the one who's a sports fan is definitely, although she did check out a little bit on the Suns because they sucked for so long. But, yeah, but a decade, I can excuse that. Yeah. You got to stick with them through the rebuild. If they need three years to rebuild, if a team needs that, oh, yeah. well, you got to roll with that. You're nine. But if you're How, a why decade is anybody, in. <laughs> why is anybody a Sacramento Kings fan is beyond me, you know? Only Just team in town. On and, and on and they, on. Yeah, they but sell, still, they so sell what? tickets. They sell a lot of tickets there because the state government and lobbyists need to entertain people. Yeah, well, and so it's not that's real the, that, fandom. They're not fans. I know, I know. But when you wonder I didn't why. I ask why they could sell tickets. Right. I asked why would you when be you a fan. When you wonder why there's so many butts and seats, it's not necessarily because they're fans. I don't wonder that. They're not I fans. wonder how a Sacramento resident can be a Sacramento fan. I get the corporate nature of pro sports. Yeah. I don't, I'm not wondering it's that. The, it's the only team in town. They don't even have major college sports there. And people go. It's a little Clippers too. People go to watch opposing teams, so it's it's hard. You're right. It's hard to be a Kings fan. I'll give you two or four time. years to rebuild. That's natural. DJ and PK. It's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone. Andrew Reinhardt joining us right now. Wasatch Medical Clinic, and he's got a breakthrough treatment. And and Andrew, you got clinical studies backing it up. We certainly do. I think ten years ago, this technology for ED was kind of a theory. It might work. And over the last 10 years, we've seen clinical study after clinical study uh, from major outfits like Cambridge, the Cleveland Clinic, some of the biggest hospitals in America. Uh, I am yet to read anything really negative. They say this improves blood flow. It treats the root cause problem of ED. There are no side effects. It's a great alternative if a man doesn't want to take the pill. And it's going to the root of the problem. So a lot of guys are finding relief. If you want more blood flow in the bedroom, you may not even have ED. But if you just want more blood flow, this treatment has helped a lot of guys just like you. So you've got all these uh, clinical studies, but you've also got word of mouth. You're talking to patients and they're getting back to you with how long does it take to get results? How do you feel? How are things going? And so you've heard a lot from people locally. We have. They tell us it's so much easier than they thought. Um, When we think about this part of the body, we kind of cringe. Oh, it's going to be painful and horrible. A treatment is 10 minutes. It's done on top of the skin. You might come in a few times. No recovery time, no pain, uh, just more blood flow. And then the end result, I believe, is the relationship improves. When we get the ED fixed, it has this far-reaching ripple effect on life. And you got a special deal. Some people might be wondering if they can afford it, but you're going to help them out. Yes. If you're ready to regain uh, the spark or improve the frequency in the bedroom, give us a call. The exam, assessment, and blood flow ultrasound with the MD is free. And by the way, you don't have to take treatments. You can just come in and get analyzed and test the strength of your blood vessels. Also, this part's pretty cool. Blood work and testosterone, that's free today as well. You can call right now, 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic, 801-901-8000. Call Andrew right now at 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Andy Bailey. Covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. Andy, how are you? Welcome back. I'm doing pretty well. How are you guys? We're doing all right. Uh, I got this little stiff thing in my neck, man. It's really been bothering me, Andy. 
that that is frustrating. I yeah. know that feeling, and yeah. uh, it can kind of just put a cramp in your whole day. So I'm at the gym the other day. This has nothing to do with anything, but it made me laugh. There's this guy who always just, you never want to talk to him because he'll just talk your head off. So guy, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm by the side. Guy comes up to the other guy. He says, yeah, how's it going, Bob? Oh, you don't want to know. And then he proceeds. Well, I mean, last month, man, my elbow was just, and then I had this pain in my neck. And then, and I'm doing the abridged version, Andy. Then when the snow came, I had the shovel and I fell right on my, you know what? So then I was out with that. And this went on for like 15 minutes. <laughs> my, in my head, I always have the inner response. Yes, I, I, you're right. I do not want to know, but I never encouraged that to say that. And I felt bad for the guy asking him, how's it going, Bob? Cause I knew, Oh, oh you're opening the floodgates. <laughs> yep. Here it comes. <laughs> exactly. It's fun to go the other way. When somebody asks, how are you? You're like, that's just your way of saying hello. You don't really want me to, to dump all this. Out, do you? <laughs> I just say never been better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the Utah Jazz. You know the topics. You know the stories. You probably don't even need the questions for us. Uh, before we get to the trade rumors and the Joe Ingles speculation and maybe the bogey speculation and all that kind of stuff, having seen the Warriors play four games, three against the Suns and one against the Jazz, how big is the gap between these top teams. We haven't seen the Jazz and the Suns yet. How big is the gap, you think, between these top teams? You've got the trade deadline coming up, and if you're running one of these clubs, what are you thinking right now about the gaps and your ability to close them? Well, um, this may be the safe answer, but I I really don't think the gap is huge. Um, I understand the desire to maybe try and upgrade one of those spots, whether it's Bogdanovich or, or Ingles. Um, but I, I think with the Jazz, they, they are so good offensively, so historically good. I mean, the, the gap between them and number two is pretty immense. And I've had people point out to me uh, on Twitter and elsewhere that they've had kind of a soft schedule so far, and that may be fair. But they are just such a well-oiled machine on offense. Um that I hesitate to break that up. And I still sort of think that <clears throat> when push comes to shove in the playoffs, the defense will tighten up again a, a little bit too. Um, and it's not that they've been bad defensively. I think it's just when you have Rudy Gobert on your team, you almost expect top one or two. Um, so I, I think they're closer to the Warriors than people maybe realize. But, you know, having said all that, um, I can see the logic in some of the rumored, like a few weeks ago, I saw, I don't know if this was sourced or anything, if it was just, you know, his own speculation, but Kevin O'Connor at the ringer talked about maybe something along the lines of Bogdanovich for Grant. And I don't know what other pieces would be in there in terms of contracts and draft picks and whatever the case may be. Um, but I think you take a slight step back offensively in a deal like that. But, but Grant is a more versatile defensive player. Um, I do think Bogdanovich is, is maybe a little bit better than people give him credit for. I think he's pretty big. He knows how to use his body fairly well. Um, but I would trust Grant a little bit more against some of the bigger guards and wings uh, that they'd have to face in the playoffs. So it's a tough, tight rope to walk. I mean, if you're if you're the Jazz front office, you think we've, we've been churning along at a 60-win pace for two seasons now. Um, can we can we break this up? I mean, it's 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 kind of a big deal because of how good they've been in the regular season the last couple of years. 
I'm wondering then, so you mentioned uh, Bogdanovich and Ingles, and obviously those are the two most likely guys if you're trying to get better defensively. And it seems like, at least on paper, and I could be totally wrong, but on paper it seems like if, I, if you go with Bogdanovich in a move, you get back a higher caliber of player than if you would trade Ingles, then you would may get the same type of player but not quite as good. That would be my theory. I'm not sure if it's correct, but anyway, that's my theory. Uh, so with that in mind... Would you? What? Which one of the two would you go with? Would you think that the Jazz need a higher caliber, someone who's commensurate across the board to what Bogdanovich can give you offensively? That player can give you defensively, or would it be good enough if you went with an Ingles who isn't quite as good? So maybe you don't get quite as good a defensive player. You see the parallels I'm trying to draw there? Yeah, I think your theory is right on. Frankly. Um, Ingles is a couple years older. Um, he's he's obviously not scoring at the same volume that Bogdanovich can. Uh, he's not even shooting the ball as well as Bogdanovich is this year. So I think if you if you move Ingles, that's a fringes sort of a an improvement. Um, and I think if you're going to break up a core that has won at like I said a sixty plus win pace for two seasons now. Um, I think you've got to be pretty committed to we're, we're doing something that is actually going to move the needle for us. You may move Joe Ingles for somebody who, who just frankly doesn't make things any better. Um, I think if you move Bogdanovich, you do have a, a little bit better chance of getting a real difference maker. And again, if that means you shave a point or two off the offensive rating, um, but you also you get one or two points better defensively, maybe you're a little bit better suited for the playoffs. Um, but it's it's just such a tricky thing to think about because with the Jazz, you know, statistically, you already have a bona fide contender, um, and and a lot of continuity and chemistry, and you know, I know the the league is there's tons of player turnover over the last several years, um, really the whole time I've been covering the NBA, um, but there is still some value in in continuity, and eventually teams can break through. Sometimes, you know, you've got the 2011. Mavericks who who eventually broke through with kind of a similar core that they'd had for a few years. So I think there's an argument to stand pat, um, but if the right deal presents itself, I'm yeah, I'm sure with all the new voices that they have in the front office, there will be people who who may push for you know switching things up a little bit. So I think that a lot of things you guys have been talking about, I can totally agree with and sign off on. But I think the one thing that is out there, and you know we have Joe on our show every week, and I definitely don't want to screw that up with a trade. That won't be a factor, however. <laughs> my my needs don't factor into this, but and well, I think I, Joe. Will, I was Joe. Joe I was going to mention something along those lines. Like you don't, the front office wouldn't. This wouldn't be a determining factor for them. But he is a fan favorite. He's been with the Jazz his entire career, um, and and he has a lot to do with that continuity and chemistry. He's <laughs> he's. I think probably the longest tenured jazz guy, maybe him or Gobert. So there, there is a little bit to that. Yeah, yeah. So the so he mentioned last summer, and we asked him something about trades, and he got into it, and it didn't hit me at the time, but it hit me a little later. I'm like, oh, he's way more aware. And he subsequently has come on and said that uh, he sat on. I think he was. I think he was waking up because of the time difference that he woke up at the Olympics to some news, and he thought he was gone then. And, mm. and just last week he was talking about it, and he said, 
I know I'm the guy making a lot of money with the expiring contract, and I know the business of the NBA, and that makes me more valuable. And so as much as PK is weighing the basketball merits and trying not to you know, be the homer who build some lopsided trade because we're doing radio here, you know, and the other team would never do it. But there are lopsided trades because there are sometimes owners who are desperate to get under the cap, desperate to create mm-hmm. space for a, a free agent signing they think they can pull off next summer, or desperate to pay less than the luxury tax. So all of a sudden, the quality of the basketball in the moment doesn't matter to them. It matters a lot to the Jazz, but it doesn't matter. That's how the Jazz got Jeff Hornacek a long time ago. It was a lopsided trade, but Philly was making a money trade while the Jazz were making a basketball trade, so the Jazz came out way ahead. Do you think there are a lot of motivated sellers in the NBA who will look at the finances, not worry about the basketball, in which case the Jazz could make a seriously lopsided deal? Yeah, I think there are always at least a couple teams in the NBA. I'd have to sit down and and look and see if I could pinpoint some specific ones for you. But that does seem to be something that happens every year. There's at least two or three of those who are trying to, you know, shave some money off. They see the writing on the wall that they're not going to be a contender. They're not going to make the playoffs or wherever the case may be. And if you get, I mean, I, I think... Justin Zanuck has obviously been with the Jazz for a while, but they have kind of pivoted away from Dennis Lindsay, who was the one who was responsible for bringing in Joe Ingles. So there may not be quite as much of an attachment to him with this front office as there was, say, two years ago. Um, And if you're presented with a deal that, you know, it's a money saver for another team and it is a clear basketball upgrade for the Jazz, um, you know, I I think they would probably say yes. I don't know if they're out there hunting for those deals or they're just waiting for those to come in. But yeah, if, if it's an obvious upgrade, you, you probably got to do it. You just kind of bite your tongue and, um, you know, you hope that there's, I, I'm sure there's plenty of goodwill with the Jazz fan base that they wouldn't, they, they wouldn't riot or anything if Joe Ingles was gone. But, but it would certainly, um, it would be a bitter pill to swallow for some people. But that's, like you said, that's the business. There are always teams that are, that are trying to, get under the luxury tax or at least reduce that luxury tax payment and and stuff can come up that maybe you weren't anticipating. How much do you buy into the camaraderie chemistry aspect of the game? I think it's pretty big. Um, I think you have to have a nice balance between that part of it and star power uh, because you're just not going to win an NBA championship without some star power. Um, There's only five guys on the floor. It's obviously a lot different than football in that regard. There's 11 guys on the field and all their jobs are so highly specialized. Um, when there's only five guys and they all kind of do the same thing, if you've got one or two that are you know, head and shoulders above the rest of the field, it's going to make a huge difference. Um, and I, you know, I've been saying for years that the Jazz are on the fringe of being one of those teams with two top 10 players. And if you've got two top ten players, you have a very strong chance to win it all. And I think, I think the argument that they've got those two guys is stronger this year than it's ever been. Um, Donovan Mitchell has has been ridiculous this season. His three point percentage is down a little bit, but um, he's been phenomenal from two point range. He's playmaking. I think he averaged thirty plus in December. Um, and Rudy Gobert is quietly just been dominant this season. I don't I don't know if you guys have seen the thing I do where I kind of aggregate all the catch-all metrics from around the internet. Yeah. Um, but if you kind of mix them all together and, and try and balance out some of the biases that each one has, 
the last time I did it, Gobert was fourth. I mean, the only people ahead of him were Jokic, Curry, and Giannis. I mean, he, he just leapfrogged Durant. Um, I think people are so programmed to see points per game and fadeaway jumpers and between-the-legs dribbling and stuff like that that they're, they're just not ready to accept the fact that Gobert has that kind of impact, but he does. Um, you know, I've said for years that he's basically Ben Wallace with plus offensive impact. I mean, he's, he is a dominant defensive player who's also a huge part of their offense. So I think they're really close on the top 10 on the, on the multiple, you know, stars front, if they're not there already. And then you, you layer the chemistry and the continuity, like you talked about on top of that, where those two guys know how to play with each other. Um, they've, they've now got multiple years under their belts with Bogdanovich and Clarkson and Conley and, um, you know, like I said earlier, the offense is just a well-oiled machine. They they lace up their shoes and go out there and score 115, you know, points per hundred possessions like it's nothing. Um, so I think if you've got both of them, you're in great shape. And and I do think Utah has both of those. So I I think you kind of need both generally to win the title. What have you thought of the Jazz? It seems to be that they're trending much more towards letting Gobert be the on-ball defender no matter who has the ball. And if he ends up matched up with a 6'2 point guard who shoots the three, so what? He's Rudy Gobert. And we're seeing a little more of that, and it seems to be working, but I'm wondering if that's something that can be pulled apart in the playoffs when teams have more time to prepare. I think it's good that they're doing that now. Um, And I might lean even harder into it than they have. They've obviously been a drop coverage team for basically the entire time that Gobert's been the starting center. And that makes a lot of sense with him. Uh, but as we saw with the Clippers last season, small ball lineups can kind of pick that drop coverage apart. So this this would be the time to experiment with it. And and statistically, you know, it's not a huge sample size because they do typically drop back um, against the pick and roll. But statistically, his numbers against perimeter players have, have always been pretty solid. Um, you know, people like to cherry pick – the random highlight where he gets spun around on a drive um, or he is slightly late out to a shooter or something like that and throw it up on Twitter. And then everybody thinks, Oh, that's, that's how Gobert looks against perimeter, you know, assignments every time. But for every one of those, I think there's probably three or four clips um, that aren't as grabby on social media where he does just fine staying in front of a guard. And there's a lot of times where he gets blown by. And then the fact that you've got a seven foot nine wingspan, um, comes in handy and he can bother him from behind. So I think, I think he's a lot better on the perimeter than people realize. Um, and if the, the more he gets used to it in games that don't matter as much here in the regular season, the better he'll be equipped to do it in the playoffs when it's you know much more important. Regular season, who's winning the West? I, I think at this point it's probably safe to default to the Warriors. Um, you know, I, I kind of keep waiting for the flipper to fall or whatever the saying is with the Suns, but they just they keep plugging along too um i think it'll probably be neck and neck between them um i i wouldn't count the jazz out yet i think those are your three like bona fide contenders in the west it's it's interesting i i think how quickly um that has sort of crystallized in both conferences i think three teams in each conference have kind of put their head and shoulders above everybody else um but once once the Warriors get Clay Thompson back, and I know there's a, probably a lot of homerism in the reporting there, but it sounds like he looks pretty good. Um, 
when you add that kind of shooting to the mix they already have, I think they're going to be tough to catch. Andy, we appreciate the time, as always. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Andy Bailey, he covers the NBA for Bleacher Report, and you can check more of his analysis and his writing right there. DJ and PK, time to welcome in Andrew Reinhart, Wasatch Medical Clinic. And Andrew, you got a breakthrough treatment. No pills, no injections, no side effects. Yes, that is right. If you're out there suffering with ED, we call this breakthrough because it's not a pill, thank goodness. That's what men have turned to for 30 years, dealt with the headaches, the side effects, and then they're playing this big timing game, not knowing if the pill will work, when it will work. Uh, We can eliminate all that. Wasatch Medical has the two most advanced versions of WAVE technology, the only technology backed by 50 studies showing it opens up and regrows blood vessels. We have helped so many men, couples of pretty much every age, turn back the clock in the bedroom, restore normal blood flow, and we do it without any pills. The clinical studies have, uh, have piled up, but they keep piling up. Yes, they do. We have about 50 of them posted at wasatchmedicalclinic.com, uh, Cambridge, the Cleveland Clinic. Most of them, if not all of them, say safe, effective. One called it the new standard of care for ED. So this is really cool. I think the pill will someday be a thing of the past. And you had a special offer right now. If people pick up the phone and call Wasatch Medical Clinic, what are you offering? If you're ready to put a stop to your ED, guys, it won't go away on its own. Call us now. Exam, assessment, and blood flow ultrasound with our MD. Uh, It's free. No obligation. Plus a gift that produces immediate results to intimacy. I think you'll really love that. And this is pretty cool. Blood work and testosterone, that's free today as well. Call right now, 801-901-8000. That's 801-901-8000. Call a Wasatch Medical Clinic at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Denton Goodman, who DM'd me on Twitter, he said the Utes will go to, quote, a lot of Rose Bowls? That's hilarious. You sound like a homer. Outside of USC, what Pac-12 schools in history have gone to, quote, a lot of Rose Bowls? Washington? Yeah, Washington. Oregon's now seem to be doing pretty well. I mean, they don't go to a lot of Rose Bowls, but they'll be there pretty regularly. I put Oregon in the USC category. I don't know if Utah can do it on that frequent of basis, but yeah, why not? Like, I think Utah could very easily be at two a decade, which is a lot. That's once every five years. That's basically once a recruiting cycle. I think that's probably pretty reasonable for what this Utah football program is right now. I think they'll be back multiple times. How about that? Is that better than a bunch? Here's my take. Utah's going to go to a lot of Rose Bowls. I don't need to change that. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Every day from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call or visit Lee'sHeatAC.com now to schedule a free in-home estimate or a free second opinion. Jazz and the Nuggets coming up tonight. Denver has had a run of bad luck, PK. They have. They have lost multiple starters. They are still a 500 team. 18 and 17 on the year. We are joined right now by Katie Wingy, Denver Nuggets host, analyst, and reporter for Altitude Sports. Katie, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? We are doing well. Good. How are the Denver Nuggets 
believe it or not, they're getting a little sympathy on this side of the mountains because that's been a lot of injuries. What? I can't believe that. Not a lot. Not a lot. Not, not from a lot. me. Not from me. No way, man. <laughs> um, they're Like you guys said, I mean, they're banged up. I think that they're real tired of, of the way things have been going around here. I feel like they just can't catch a break um, game after game, whether it's health and safety protocol or to another player being injured. Our, our roster just continues to dwindle down. So I'm hopeful that that good news is on the horizon because, honestly, fellas, at this point, I'm not sure it could get much worse, which I probably jinxed it by saying that, but that's truly what it feels like in Denver. It seems like if you want to save time, you tell us the players who are available as opposed to the players who aren't available. And, you know, we watch them, obviously, because they're, they've been a contender and they're in the same division or certainly the same conference, obviously, and, and close to the Jazz and all that respect. Uh, I'm wondering if you've seen any players who may have gotten more time than they would have developed, and so maybe there might be some bright spots from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, it's been the toughest part for the Nuggets has been there has there hasn't been a rhythm. I mean, like a guy like Bones Highland is the first player that comes to my mind when you ask that question. And if the Nuggets were healthy, him as a rookie, I'm not sure he would be getting the minutes that he's getting. But at the same time, he's been in and out of the lineup quite a bit because of health and safety protocol, because of spraining his ankle a couple times and having to deal with that and then going back into health and safety. So the players that typically would have benefited from the Nuggets being a little shorthanded this season, they've also been in health and safety. Another player that I think of is uh, a player like Zeke Naji, who he's upgraded to questionable tonight, which is very helpful considering Vladko Chanchar went out in the Nuggets last game in Dallas. So he's for sure out tonight. So at least you can kind of do a switcheroo there but the younger guys are getting more minutes substantial playing time because there just isn't enough bodies elsewhere and I think that that is a bright spot if you want to twist it or find some sort of positive in the situation and the good news with that is they're getting like very real minutes not only against starters but with the nugget starters or or what's left of them anyway I, I guess I would say with Nicole Jokic so Denver isn't in the exact same situation as other teams, but portions of what we're seeing from them do match up. I think it's very clear that the trust the process Sixers would have shut this whole team down and just played for a draft, high draft pick and reset everything. The Warriors didn't really have a choice. They had so many of their key guys hurt, uh, but they inevitably did get a, uh, you know, have a down year and have a chance to kind of reload a little bit. Has there been any thought to just – Let's not battle to be a 500 team in fifth or sixth in the West. Let's just shut it down. Absolutely not. I don't think that that is in any of these players' blood, and I also don't think head coach Michael Malone could possibly do that. He is way too much of a competitor. Um, they still think that you know they have a very real opportunity to make some noise in the postseason, whether that be in a play-in game or wherever they end up landing. And the other question mark, too, is there is no timetable on, you know, when a Jamal Murray might be back or when a Michael Porter Jr. might be back. And they're absolutely not rushing either of those guys, but who's to say that they don't come back towards the end of the year? No one really knows at this point, and they're letting them take their time in their rehab process. So I think they want to position themselves in the best possible situation that they can for the postseason. It just I don't think that they're capable of, of throwing in the towel. It's just not in them. How much has the team's toughness improved now that Jokic's brothers have gotten a lot of publicity? 
Um, they knew it before the rest of the world knew it. I don't know if it's actually increased the, the Nuggets' toughness at all. Um, it, it's funny. I mean, they're they're at almost every single game. They're so involved, and Jokic's family is so so close. Um, and I think the whole Nuggets team knows what they bring when they're in the in the audience, whether it's at home or on the road. So. Um, funny, funny story of the season, I think. Oh, hilarious. Wildly entertaining. <laughs> uh, I'm curious, how much do the Jazz stir up the fan base there? Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, Suns, Jazz. Who really gets people fired up and, and brings out the nasty in the Nuggets crowd? Can you rank the level of rivalry? You know, it's hard to say because... I think there's a there's a generational difference in that too. Longtime Nuggets fans, given the way that this team has competed with the Lakers, I would say the hatred for the Lakers is still very real, especially for Nuggets fans that are a little bit older. Um, given the way that things went with Phoenix and Suns and Four Guy and, and all of that business, I think that there will hold a special place in Nuggets fans' hearts when they do play the Suns now. Um, it's tough. Denver is such a transplant city, and so there are so many people that come from all over the country, and it's inevitable that there will be fans of the opposing team in the building. When the Nuggets are full strength and when they're competing and, and when they've been good the past couple years, the Nuggets fan base holds their own, man. Like they, If there are opposing fans in the crowd or are against you know, really great opposing teams, Ball Arena gets loud and they get into it. So that's always really, really fun. I would say Utah, too. I mean, it's always a great matchup because of the division opponent and because of the way this matchup has gone both in the postseason and the regular season. I mean, Nuggets, Nuggets fans love when the Jazz come to town, and it's always a good game. How much concern is there long-term with Porter Jr.? You know, we haven't heard a whole lot about what exactly happened or what his rehab process really looks like. Um, So I think the concern level, it actually improved because we saw him like getting some shots up. He wasn't jumping. He was just like moving on the court during warmups in Dallas at the Nuggets last game. So that was, you know, a sight for sore eyes to see him around the team, to see him just doing standstill form shooting and some sort of basketball action. Um, as, as far as I know, the surgery went extremely well, and the rehab is going really, really well. But obviously, anytime you're talking about back surgery, that's something that you're not going to rush, and it's something that you're going to take very seriously. So um, I, I'm not sure. Obviously, there's a level of concern because it is his back and because he's had a history with it. But at the same time, they explored so many options with it, and they did what they thought was best. So the Nuggets have said that in, they're expecting him to make a full recovery and be back just a matter of when that will be you did mention there are some people getting bones highland getting more playing time is there anyone you can identify right now as hey in two years this guy is really going to be something he is going to be a rotation guy he might be a starter is there anyone that's that or is everybody a work in progress and it remains to be seen i think it remains to be seen just because we have so many injuries to our core guys like it's hard to make that jump when we don't have a Jamal Murray or a Michael Porter Jr. and they're expected to eventually be back in a starting lineup. Um, I would say that Bones Highland has made uh, some pretty good early impressions with 
not only this coaching staff, but with the fan base as well. Um, he is insanely talented and has this energy and this charisma about him that's contagious and brings this positive attitude the moment that he steps into the gym. So I don't know whether that would be in the starting lineup or whether that could be like a potential six-man role, um, similar to like a Jordan Clarkson with you all. I, I, he's a scorer. Like he can score. He can create his own shot. He's so crafty and smooth at getting to the basket, has great range. So I think the the most impressing part, or the most impressive part about Bones, is that he hasn't taken a very long time to adjust to the NBA game. Obviously, he's still learning, and every experience is invaluable for him in game. But he he's made an impact from the moment that he's joined this franchise. So even if it's not this season. I'm wondering how much of a prevailing thought is within the Denver organization with Malone and everybody above him that the line of thinking being, hey, we're still young enough, and we've had some big-time setbacks, obviously, but we do have age on our side to a degree, so let's not go crazy here and let's just wait this thing out, get our guys back, and we still got guys that are approaching their prime or in their prime so they can be good with health real quick. No, I think that's absolutely the mentality. At least that's the, the mood and the vision that I've interpreted on being around this group. I think that they think their window is very much open. It's just a matter of getting guys healthy. They talk often about the game last season when the Nuggets were healthy and went to L.A. and beat the Clippers full strength. And that, I think, was very eye-opening for not only you know people who work with and around this team, but the fan base seeing what the Nuggets were capable of when they are 100%. And it's like we, we think back to that game with very fond memories and we look forward with you know, a hopeful future with that in mind because I feel like we only got a little taste of what it could be like. It was so, so short-lived in a lot of ways. It was a, a small stretch. But with that in mind and as young – as these guys are, you think about kind of the rest of the league and age not being on their side in terms of the teams that we're talking about, other than, you know, maybe a Utah. But the, the Lakers are old, getting older. Brooklyn, they've got all sorts of stuff going on over there. I'd say the Warriors are the one team that are working their way back to being full strength, and they're always dangerous when that's the case. But the Nuggets are a team that is so young, and we haven't really seen what they're fully capable of of yet for an extended period of time. So this franchise is absolutely thinking that way of like, okay, once we get healthy, this is a chance, this is a window. We have to make a real push at this here. Of what you've seen around the NBA right now, it's Warrior Suns, Jazz, one, two, three in the standings. Uh, is that the way you see it shaking out when you get to the playoffs? Are the Warriors the favorite? Or it's, it's pretty close? So, and- it's so tough to say. I mean, those three teams have been re- remarkable to start this season, and I think when the Warriors get Clay back, like watch out. Who knows what's going to happen with that? Um, Utah's been obviously so good. The Phoenix has picked up right where they left off. So um, I guess I would probably see it playing out that way. But then once you go past that three mark, then it's like an even bigger question mark. How is the rest of this going to play out? I think Memphis has been tremendous to start this season and so fun to watch. Um, and then who knows, just with health and health and safety protocols, you guys have been so fortunate in not having the last team to send somebody 
into that. So our, our team's going to be able to stay healthy given how many seasons we've had within a calendar year and how much basketball has been played. And then given the pandemic on top of that as well, it just is so hard to predict anything right now. Well, Katie, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to the game tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, guys. Katie Winji joining us, Denver Nuggets host, analyst, and reporter for Altitude Sports. Jazz and the Nuggets tonight, 8 o'clock, the tip time. It's an ESPN game. Pre-game here on the Zone Sports Network at 7 o'clock. I wouldn't mess with Jokic just for that very reason. Those guys over there, man. <laughs> His brothers just look They have a reprise of the Sopranos. <laughs> They're in it. <laughs> the Serbian Sopranos. Is he Serbian? Just the, yeah, they've, they've had some characters, some foreign guys over there play tough guys. Sure. Uh, just him alone, though. He's a fun player to watch. He's highly skilled. I love the way he goes about his business. You ever see that? There's a couple guys, they do it on uh, video. They imitate the guys to a T. And the way he walks and when he makes his shot, it's really funny to watch. The basketball version of a batting stance guy? Yeah, and it's, it's funny the way he, just his mannerisms, you can see it makes you laugh. But he's so highly skilled that any given game, they're dangerous. You know, they fit right in the middle of the league and in the conference this year. It seems like there's a lot of teams in, in that range of uh, one game above, one game below, two games above, 500, whatever it might be. Clippers, Lakers, Mavericks, and yeah. Nuggets in the West. Yeah, and those teams have beaten the Jazz. They've beaten them in this arena. So certainly they can beat them over there, uh, obviously. And and you, you want to clean up on these teams. And plus, I said they would have a 17-3 and three stretch, and it's really important that they win these next two games. <laughs> you don't want to deal with a 16-4? and four? No, I didn't say 16-4, and four, which is good. But I said 17-3, and three, and right now they're 15-3. and three. And those two losses uh, to Washington and, and San Antonio at home back-to-back really ticked me off because then I could be sitting pretty. Uh, but I think they certainly have a chance to win these next two games, obviously, to go to my 17-3 and three, uh, prediction here. And it's it's interesting, you know, they've been playing so well away from home. I don't know what it is. I, I can't explain it. I don't know that there's any reason, rhyme or reason to it specifically. I mean, you're a theory guy, so you'll come up with something. And you I'll ready sh- for one? I'll shoot it down because it's what I do. <laughs> well, it's been working for a couple decades. Let's yeah. not mess with the formula. How about this? Who they are on the road is how good they really are. And it's why they shouldn't make a trade. And the reason the home record isn't as good is it's the regular season They've been so dominant at home. They let their guard down. They're not that fired up. You can't bring it every night. They think they're going to do it at home. We blame it on the wives? <laughs> There's so many single guys on the team. I don't know if you can do that. <laughs> I don't know who's... All I know uh, married is Conley and, and Ingles. I don't know who else is married, who isn't married, honestly. I, I'm not that close to any of them. You know Donovan isn't married. I assume, but he could be in a long-term relationship. For yeah. all I know, that's the same thing as marriage. I don't, I don't know what their yeah, personal lives are because Conley's wife is all over social media, sure. and we know about, about Joe. Joe. The yeah. rest of them, I don't they even don't look really at. Yeah. I don't. So I don't know what what if family or personal things are getting. I like think it. at home, it's just. I don't know what their living conditions are like. I don't know not, anything about it. I think the losses at home, largely not bringing it. Bringing the C plus effort and it got them beat. Okay, they're, I can understand way better that, than but those teams. why bring a C plus effort at home? Of all places, the crowd picks you up. Those are the fans you don't want to disappoint the most. Blah blah blah. They're better. That they know they're better. Sense. And then somebody gets hot and 
they've wasted two or three quarters not playing yeah, their best ball. A, they certainly didn't play their best ball, but I don't think it's a lack of mental effort. I'm not going to go that far and say they're on cruise control at home. I, I don't want to do that because, th- to me, once you do that, you're questioning players' heart. And I'm very uh, not hesitant about question, to go with it. It's not about questioning their heart. I think that this team... No. More than any team since the Stockton Malone teams buys into our place in NBA history, our how we'll be judged at the end of the everything, it rests on the playoffs. But it's it, sure, but that doesn't explain a great road record. What you're saying is they lack intensity. They yes. lack will. They, they lack, lack desire. Intense, intensity is the word. And that's that's not a good that's underachieving. And our friend hates to say that they're underachieving because that means the coaching staff isn't doing their job. Guys that I dearly love in the eyes of some other folks, you're saying that they're <laughs> you, underachieving. You are shape-shifting through multiple people's personalities right well, now. Well, it's the truth. <laughs> that was awesome. I mean, they're that's and that's great. They have that I don't have any connection to these guys. Yeah. They're, they're they're basketball players to me. They're not my friends. And so I, but I don't want to acknowledge that or label them as underachieving at home because they lack desire and intensity. That's that's a bad thing, man. You lose, you lose, but you want to be able to give it all. And what you're saying is they're not giving it their all. I don't know how else to explain those seven home losses. I mean, you're always going to have a couple of them. But is seven just, it's too big a number. You at the start of the year were saying 36 and five, and I wanted to argue with you. But given how they played at home last year and how good they looked, no, I said 36 and five on the road. You did not. <laughs> well, that's all I got now. <laughs> and they've already lost seven home games. And some of the teams they've lost to. I mean, you understand losing to the Warriors at home, they're very good, and that can happen. Well, they but, didn't, yeah, and they didn't shoot the ball well. Right. But some of the other losses at home are just complete head scratchers. New Orleans? Head scratcher. Big time. That's a, that's a body scratcher to the point I draw <laughs> blood. <laughs> a body scratcher. Yeah. Indiana? Ugh. Um, at least Indiana has some players. San Antonio. Washington. I can live with Washington because Beal went off. He's a player. The road losses were all way early. Chicago, Miami, Orlando. And they haven't lost on the road since November 7th. That's awesome. Yeah, keep it going. So I guess maybe you know if you total up the wins, and that's where they would have been. So they have a few more at home that we didn't anticipate, but they have a few more on the road. So that sort of flushes it out. Yeah, if they were 14-7 and seven on the road right now, I don't think people would be complaining. But as a home record, that just doesn't, doesn't cut it. So maybe uh, give them but, credit for adding on but at the end, what they've done at the road. They're 27-10, and 10 and they're on pace to win 60 games. That's good. The problem is the Suns are hotter and the Warriors are hotter. I don't, I don't know that's a problem come postseason. It could be, but I don't know that it is. And I think they would agree with you. And I think that's at the heart of the 14-7 and seven home record. They really do buy into, hey, we got to be playing our best basketball in Game 70. And a couple new guys to integrate here. Whiteside concussion protocol is uh, questionable for tonight. He's been out for a few games here. Didn't play against the Pelicans. All right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break. When we come back, your feedback next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Today was a good day.
Feedback of the day is brought to you by Thrive Appliance. Been talking a lot about the Jazz, the trade deadline. Joe Ingles was on last week talking to us about uh, he knows he's the guy who's got the expiring contract, and there's plenty of rumors out there as the national media starts to dig into the trade deadline and the possibilities. So if Joe goes, will we put up flowers by his house? Maybe a for sale sign. <laughs> I don't know, flowers. I don't think Joe's going to keep a place in the States to come back to. That doesn't seem to be his uh, his mood. Yeah, I think they would ride it out uh, through the school year. Yeah. And then see where they're at. Who knows? Maybe he. Maybe they release him and he re-signs here or he re-signs <laughs> in some like I mean, the, didn't the uh, Yankees did that with Chapman a while back? They let him go to the Cubs mm-hmm. and he pitched in the World Series and then brought him right back. Right back, yeah. Yeah. Jazz traded favors and brought him back. You never know. Yeah, but it wasn't a midseason thing. Still following at Osteomath tweets at us, Dear Ad David DJ James and at PK Kinahan, Friendships and perfect chemistry don't bring championships. Love, Shaq and Kobe. Hashtag RIP. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Yeah, if you can get Shaq uh, and Kobe's talent, you can definitely pass on the chemistry. Well, then, well yeah, but then you, you deal with it. But they left him on the table, too, they for did, that matter. Without question. Without a doubt. I, they could have rivaled uh, the Bulls. Yes. I totally believe that. Yeah. And Kobe might have ended up rivaling uh, Bill Russell. <laughs> he could have. Because he, he was so much younger than Shaq, he was always going to have a second act. And it turned out his second act yielded two more titles. So I guess that wouldn't get him to Russell. No, I don't think he would have got to Russell, but... But nonetheless, and I don't think he needs anything to improve his legacy. But nevertheless, it would be cool to have eight titles. They did leave. Would they get three? You they got three. conservatively two. Yes. And then if they make that trade and he gets two more, but that's, Shaq was good enough to win in Miami, so I think you can argue that they could have had three or four. I, I, I got it. Yeah, yeah I agree. It, it was seven in a row. Sounds because ridiculous. Kobe was better than Wade's an all-star, Kobe, Hall of Famer and Kobe all. Kobe kept it rolling. I mean, Kobe was still at a championship level in 2010. Yeah. But Shaq was there in 06, so. Uh, yeah, but if you got that supreme talent and Shaq, yeah. a motivated Shaq was an extremely dangerous Shaq. We had uh, we had Andy Bailey on. He was talking about, well, the Jazz arguably have two of the top ten in the league. Well, they arguably had two of the top four. Two. Well, I mean, <laughs> come on. Duncan was at a pretty high level. I don't think Kobe was at Duncan's level at that point. No, but nevertheless, I mean, that was a tandem that uh, was really special. Yep, it was. Phenomenal. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Andrew Reinhardt joins us, Wasatch Medical Clinic. And Andrew, you've seen a lot of guys come through. You've heard a lot of patients tell their stories. What are they telling you? Well, the main thing that patients tell us is, I had ED, I delayed in taking care of this way longer than I should have. And the treatments at Wasatch Medical were easier than I thought. It's a 10-minute session with our acoustic wave therapy. It opens up the blood vessels. Uh, It repairs circulation. And guys tell us how the end result is that the relationship improves. My opinion, and I think the patients agree, when we get the ED fixed, it has this far-reaching ripple effect on the significant other, overall happiness, even stress and anxiety goes down. 
You have uh, you have not only a lot of feedback from the patients. You got people uh, nationally and internationally studying this. Yeah, we do uh, at WasatchMedicalClinic.com. There's over 50 clinical studies now done from third parties, universities, hospitals, vetting the exact technology at Wasatch Medical and showing it's safe, it's effective. Uh, it was recently called the new standard of care for ED. And you got a special offer right now. People want a deal. You'll cut them a deal if they pick up the phone right now. That's right. If you're ready to regain your love life or just improve things in the bedroom, who doesn't want that? Call us now. The exam assessment and blood flow ultrasound, it's free. The gift, uh, this is worth the trip, produces immediate results to intimacy. And this part, quite valuable. Blood work and testosterone, if you feel like you have a need, that's free today as well. You heard it, guys. You can put a stop to your ED by treating the root cause of the problem. Call Wasatch Medical Clinic now to qualify at 801-901-8000. That's 801-901-8000. Call Wasatch Medical Clinic now. 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Coming up next, Jake and Ben right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.